Welcome to episode 85 of the Grip Strip Podcast. The Danny Hamlin is butthurt about something yet again before he goes and chokes away another championship edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. You know, apparently Alex Bowman is a hack, according to Danny Hamlin. But, you know, it's been good for me. 26th birthday tomorrow, so should be good. But uh, it was a pretty wild weekend at Martinsville, I have to say. Yeah, happy birthday to you, first of all. Um, and Thanks. for all hacks out there, um, if if Alex Bowman is a hack, then there's a lot of hacks out there. I'll be a hack. Um, I didn't buy one of his shirts. I don't feel... I'm not that big of an Alex Bowman person to really want to go and support, even though I know they'll probably go to his midget and sprint car team. Um, I do get, get a kick out of him going and selling hack shirts um, because Denny Hamlin owned, got self-owned himself the same way as he took two in his stink. Uh, we'll get into the Martinsville, the Xfinity 500 uh, last Sunday, which uh, determined the final four. And, uh, you know, it, it was not that surprising what the final four ended up being, you know, the way things came into the race, uh, Penske racing and Ford, uh, struck out. So the teams that finished second and third in points last year, Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano missed the final four this year. Of course, Joey Logano after blowing an engine, uh, at Texas was basically screwed. Uh, Brad had speed, but didn't have enough speed to go and uh, come overcome the Toyotas and Chevys. And the fact that, of course, he's more focused on driving the six car, being a car owner next year. Uh, Ryan Blaney, unfortunate end to his season, one of probably a breakout year for him in his career as he'll be changing crew chiefs uh, to uh, Jonathan Hassler, the 21 crew chief, who will actually be working with a with a race car driver and not a moron. So that'll be probably a good upgrade for him uh, starting next year. And But unfortunately for YRB, he won't be there with his BFF Clyde. Um, Clyde, of course, trying to defend his championship and uh, Kyle Larson and the you know, redneck Jesus part, part three or whatever, uh, you know, he won the first two races and quietly went about his business on Sunday. We'll get into all that took place, uh, last week, um, with all the NASCAR races, we'll get into the, um, the races, uh, was yeah Sydney Motorsports Park we had WEC at Bahrain as well last week and will uh there's some more recent news about some stupidity going on uh within the supercars community um which is similar to some of the stupidity that's taking place here in America but then when you consider where we are as a society, it's not all that surprising. Um, but first, let's get into it. Let's get into this NASCAR uh, weekend at Martinsville, which determined uh, the uh, finally uh, the determined the final four. Uh, very much all your slings a bunch of cars so cheap ganassi is happy about having the charter system well when rob kaufman was one of your partners are you really saying that because you believe that or because rob kaufman um, made up that gimmick um yeah, it's convenient it, for him yeah it is convenient and it's also convenient when and i like the picture adam stern used with with uh with kyle larson there before he could shave um that's a good picture there. That's a good look. 
Uh, they, what is it? They, it? It tells you how healthy NASCAR Cup Series is. They don't even have a sponsor for the series finale or season finale. No, that's promising. Um, yeah, they only have a 15-minute practice, so I guess that's kind of what they're going to be going with next year. And then they'll have qualifying on Saturday night prior to, I think, the Xfinity race, the Xfinity finale. So that'll be something. Um of course, Rick Hendrick stands by the sponsorship of Liberty University. The guy's a freaking felon. Um, it's great reading in Jayski. Jayski's so useful because you get all this news and all this stuff here, but you didn't start riffing. Um, and the way I've been feeling today in the last few days, I'm liable to go off on a few tangents. Uh, 501 laps were completed on Sunday instead of 500 laps for the Xfinity 500. Alex Bowman gets his fourth victory of 2021, uh, sixth career victory, and uh, led only nine laps in the race, but he led the ones that counted. Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex, and William Byron, speaking of, you know, bullshit university, um, they uh, finished the top five. Eric Almarola quietly went about his business all day driving a Smithfield IHOP car and finished sixth. Um, one of his best runs he's had since his New Hampshire win. Kurt Busch, seventh. Eric Jones in eighth, which isn't surprising considering the Petty 43 has run well at Martinsville in recent years. Uh, Bubba ran well in that car, um, and so Eric Jones doing it isn't that shocking either. Uh, Chris Busher in ninth. Joey Logano, 10th. Ryan Blaney, 11th. Larson finished 14th. He finished second in stage one and uh, led 77 laps. Clyde won both stages and led 289 laps, yeah, uh, but... And finished 16th. And then you have Dennis Hamlin, who was leading late. Uh, he got stage points in the second stage, uh, led over 100 laps in a race. So basically it was uh, Clyde, Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Larson, which at the end of the day, when you look at what this championship for is going to be, it's really should be between those three guys anyway. Um, Kyle Busch is just there. Uh, I say that after he's backdoored both of his championships. Um, Martin Truex is in the final four. I mean, Martin Truex, yeah. sorry. I for, and Kyle Busch ended up a point short there. Uh, thanks for the catch. Uh, so, yeah, Martin Truex uh, went quiet here uh, over recent months, but was up there most of the year. And he won four times himself. And he's uh, He's got a chance. That's what matters. Uh, and uh, I don't know how they count the seeding based on uh, if it's based on playoff points and any Hamlin the second. I don't know why. I, I don't know why they seeded it that way. But um, as it stands, yeah, Larson, Elliott, Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin. That's your final four. But there's a lot more to go within that. We talked about you talked about it, Josh, about uh, the hack comment and all all that going on and, uh, you know, his move, his move on Hamlin late, which basically cost Hamlin the chance to lock himself in with the victory. He was going to make it in because he had the point cushion. Uh, but I guess let's go from there. Let's start with that. The race itself, Alex Bowman getting the victory on Sunday, a big victory because it's Martinsville for Hendrick Motorsports. They get two of their guys into the final four, and they get a win anyways on top of it, too, with Alex Bowman. 
Yeah, I mean, where Alex Bowman had it, uh, I mean, he had the lead before he passed the Hamlin for a little bit, and then he actually let them by because they, uh, you know, leading into that uh, incident, he had had the chance to have the lead, and then um, on the re- after the restart, he uh, gave uh, yeah Denny Hamlin the high lane. Hamlin took it, took back the lead, and then later on, uh, Bowman after. Uh, next restart, he was able to kind of stay with uh, Denny Hamlin and had pace, I think, to catch uh, on the Denny Hamlin, then just got loose going into turn three. And I mean, even before that, he was kind of on his bumper, really using him up uh, off of turn four and off of turn two, but uh, was still kind of giving him respect on going into, you know, the next turns there, but then just going into turn three with six laps to go, seven laps to go, whatever it was, just uh, got really loose and got into Denny Hamlin and took him out there, uh, which, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was intentional at all, uh, just um, uh, over, you know, trying to go for the win and uh, getting loose there. And we've seen that. Overdrove the corner. Yeah, just, yeah, we've seen that happen many times in the past. Uh, so it's not really malicious. Uh, I mean, Hamlin complains about respect in the series. And I mean, Hamlin's been probably guilty of that just as uh, Bowman's uh, guilty of it there. Uh, so it's, you know, I think that was just yeah. pot calling the kettle black. Kettle there, black. So, yeah. He's run over, he's run over so many people and his illustrious career you know yeah he's got 40 plus wins yeah he's got michael jordan as his partner fedex wants him and keep him in the worst way reverend gibbs has done prayed so many hail marys on him for all of his for his issues and habits like his drugs and um fornicating with providers and taking it to in the stink and you know all the other questionable behaviors that fucker has and then he wants to go and complain about driving respect. I mean, to be fair, we were talking about qualifying in practice. Last time we had qualifying in practice was Indianapolis, I believe. And that was where Chase Briscoe had a chance to win his first race. Danny Hamlin ran him off the racetrack. Chase Briscoe, instead of trying to stay and go indoor, Danny Hamlin there, went and took a different a shortcut which got him penalized um denny hamlin wants to accuse you know chase briscoe knowing that he had a penalty and dumping him he didn't know there was a penalty and unlike denny hamlin i think chase briscoe does tell the truth um he didn't know there was a penalty basically by the time he knew he was a, there was a penalty denny hamlin stopped in front of him and he got sent um you know so i mean yeah sure he wanted to win an indie road course but so did chase he wanted to win at home and he was crying about that, and he's been crying about that for the last however many weeks. Um, then he got distracted, now he's crying about Alex Bowman. And it's like, yeah. this is the, the built-in excuse, Josh, for sure. Like, he's always had this. This goes back years ago, you know, like 2010, when I mean, he went go back to, to feed... with Brad Keselowski. Oh, God, yeah, exactly. That's per- That's exactly where I was going, I was thinking, too. He's bitched and moaned about the Penske guys. He hated Joey Logano. He ran over Joey Logano when they were teammates, let alone now at Penske. And he's hated Brad Keselowski and him and Brad and Kryle. They've all got in with together. And it's like, you know, shut the fuck up, bro. Like, I I get it. You've won three Daytona 500. You got all this pull and whatever. And the Jesus freak thinks you're some great thing. But you look like a horse. You're an asshole. I mean, you're an arrogant prick. At the end of the day, you know, sold Bubba, cried about him driving you hard, threw him out of the basketball league. Now he's your race car. Now he's your driver. So, I mean, like, like, you know, like, give it up, bro. Like, it's it's ridiculous. The way he behaves, it's it's getting old, you know? Like, you're a yeah. guy in your 40s. Like, grow a pair, you fuck. You're trying to race for a championship. You got a, you got a pinhead that drives a five car. And you've got a guy in the in the nine car that's a robot. Um, 
yeah. you know, like relax. I mean, Truex is sitting there kind of sitting pretty if we get into it. Um, want to go and before I let you go back on, I kind of foobarred in there, Josh. I want to go and uh, introduce a returning guest on the show, uh, upgraded uh, his job. Uh, no offense to the guys <laughs> that he did work for before. Um, they did. They do great work, but I think uh, more people know about fan sided and uh, NASCAR writer and fan and local boy based on my side, my neck of the woods. Joe Passero, uh, welcome back to the GSP. Uh, you walked in mid rant for me. It's been one of those weeks for me, so I, I'm kind of just it, ranting. You know, it was very funny when you uh, was first off. You guys hear me? OK, yeah, you're good. Awesome. Yeah, you're good. Um, I, as soon as you had uh, you messaged me on Twitter and you said, I want to be on the show. I, I, I had a prior arrangement tonight. I was able to get out of that a little bit early, which I was so happy about. Um, not, not against them, but I really wanted to be here because this was such a fantastic week for storylines. I know a lot of people kind of feel iffy about what happened at the end of the race uh, with you had Kyle Busch, you had Denny Hamlin versus Alex Bowman, uh, Keselowski and Elliott had a run in. I mean, such a crazy week. So I'm very happy to be back uh, with you guys. This is awesome. Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate you giving us the time. I know you're busy. You're doing doing all kinds of stuff. Got your work, got your own thing. You also have the writing going. So giving us a few minutes, a little bit of your time, it's great. I'm glad you're able to get out a little early. You got a little extra time so we can get you to kick in because we were a little delayed. We had a little, um, you know, executive producer technical difficulties, which is a usual. But Josh puts up with it. Um, he just kicks my ass in fantasy football. That's how he takes it yeah, out. Yeah, me. that's right. Um, and trade you. <laughs> yeah. That's our friendship. You know, he, he talks to me like Iron Sheik and um, he treats me like I'm Brian Blair. But um, it's OK. Uh, I get it. Um, it's his birthday tomorrow, so I'll let it go. It wasn't his birthday a couple weeks ago. I took the loss like a man. It'll come back to him later in the season. But anyway, yeah, yeah, thanks. Anyways, Josh, I know you were riffing on um, Hamlin there uh, and what he's doing and what he did and what he said on Sunday and kind of his history and the histrionics that come with Denny Hamlin. Um, what else did you think about the race itself and kind of connecting to the guys that will be racing this weekend in the final four? I mean, yeah, it was, I mean, Hamlin, of course, spun out and almost lost his opportunity to get in the playoffs here for this last uh, race. But of course, um, I mean, it wasn't too big of a, uh, incident there. I mean, he was still able to continue on and finish 24th. So, uh, I mean, not the finish he wanted, obviously he wants to win at Martinsville and all that. So, um, obviously he was pretty angry about that. And then, um, Chase Elliott, I mean, he was up there for the first few stages, led a lot of laps and everything, but I think he just faded, uh, towards the end there. And I think, yeah, after, of course he, he did get into it with, uh, Brad Keselowski as well. And, uh, I think that played a factor into his finish, but I mean, at, at that point it was, you know, too late for him to. Uh, make a comeback and finish in the top 10 or anything like that. But he didn't really have a lot to lose. And, he had already locked himself yeah. into the final four. So he was free rolling at yeah. that point. So then Brad free rolled, Rick rolled him and sent him into the three and four fence. Yeah. And then um, Larson, of course, didn't have anything to lose. And, and he struggles at Martinsville anyways. So that was kind of, a, uh, you know, a drop race for him, I guess. He didn't really have to do anything. And I mean, he was up there initially, but then, you just faded outside the top 10. And then I think the guy that 
besides the three guys, you had Martin Truex who had to point his way in, uh, of course, and uh, Kyle Busch was in, but then didn't uh, get in. He had a chance. I mean, he could have uh, sent Alex Bowman into turn one on the last lap, but of course uh, decided not to do that. So I guess uh, for once Kyle Busch uh, didn't do something stupid there, uh, which he could have and uh, would have been entertaining and, you know, would have leaned into more of the uh, theme of, uh, driver respect and driver guidelines and all that stuff, which we'll get into later. But yeah, Martin Truex uh, able to get one point in uh, to the playoffs and uh, he, it might, he might be the the sneaky threat there. He's definitely, I think, probably a dark horse favorite, probably uh, more than what people realize. Yeah, he won there in March uh, and he's been quietly good at Phoenix ever since they did the reconfigure and destroy the racetrack. Um, Joe, I'll throw to you now. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts? What did you write about on your site about the race in terms of these guys, the final four that we're going to have here on Sunday based on what happened last so, Sunday? Un- unfortunately, I didn't get to write much about the final four this week. Uh, some of the people who have been around for a little bit longer, uh, they've definitely earned that right to cover the the bigger stages. Uh, so they've been covering it. But I think as everybody does, I do have thoughts of my own. So first off, I want to say this final four is going to be a very competitive final four. In fact, I think we could very much see what we saw last year and see the final four finish one, two, three, four. Uh, However, I have to say Larson for as great as he's been all year, I am a little concerned about him. Uh, Phoenix, just like Martinsville, not one of his best tracks. Phoenix is also not one of his best. Um, Now, he has made improvements at all the tracks that I feel like he's commented I'm not so great at. But, you know, it comes down to one race and the mistakes he made at Martinsville on pit road, I think, got two speeding penalties. Uh, That's not going to serve him well if he cannot race through. I mean, it's not going to serve him well in the first place, but if he can't race through the pack like he couldn't, this week, it's going to cost him a championship. Martin Truex, I got to say, I, I think is probably the favorite. You can count on him running good at these 750 horsepower tracks, uh, has done that all year. In fact, all four of his wins have come at the 750 horsepower tracks. And, uh, you know, I, I was at the race at Richmond. He did not seem like he was very happy with his car uh, the first half of the race. And it was like all of a sudden stage three comes around and he's driving through everybody. It's it's unbelievable what that 19 team has done on short tracks since he's moved over to Joe Gibbs in 2019. Uh, then you have Hamlin, right? He's been with Kyle Larson in the points all year long. Very consistent. Uh, just, I think, for the longest time, had the hardest time closing out that last bit. So Hamlin's definitely going to be a contender. Uh, I would say definitely based off of his... Uh, Martinsville performance, you're going to see him at the front at some point during the day, but it's a matter of, can you close it? Because we've seen before, right? 2019, it looked like he was going to win that championship and whatever it was, a loose wheel, a bad pit stop. I don't remember that race particularly well, but took him out of the race from the lead. I have to be honest. I know that there's going to be Chase Elliott fans who are going to be mad at me. They're probably going to tweet me after I'm done making this comment. I am shocked he made the final four again, given the amount of mistakes that the nine team has made in the last nine weeks. You started the round of 16. He blew a tire, not necessarily his fault, but he did put himself in a position where maybe he could have been less aggressive. Richmond drives off the jack, finished fourth somehow, but gave up points in stage two, valuable points. 
then you have the incident with Harvick at Bristol. Uh, I get being mad, but kind of pushed the issue a little too far. You guys were both locked in. You know, just rub up against him and drive off. You know, there's no need to for the extra antics. Uh, then you have the round of 12. Probably should have won Las Vegas. Did have a better car than Hamlin at the end of the race, but a strategy call, again, took him out of that contention. Uh, after that, you have Talladega, which, I don't know, Talladega's Talladega. I feel like that was a pretty clean week for them. Nah. Uh, the Roval, you have the retaliation. And while that's not necessarily their fault, I don't think anybody can say, well, we didn't see that coming, right? You had it coming to you based off of Bristol. Loose tire at Texas. Uh, Kansas, you had him run into the wall. Again, that was a fairly clean race for the nine team. Uh, just had that late race mishap. But again, could have won that race. They were faster than Larson at the very end. And then this week, uh, just the car faded. And you get into the back of the pack where it's messy. I mean, look, it's great that the most popular driver is back in the final four contending for a second championship. But I, I got to say, if he wins the championship, I'll be a little shocked. Uh, ever since the Road America win in July, which, by the way, this is the least amount of wins he's had uh, in a season since he got his first win. Um, I, I would just be really shocked if they pulled it off. And I'm not saying they can't because clearly they proved this week at Martinsville, they still have the performance in them, but they need to close it out and they need to go mistake-free during the race. And that's definitely asking a lot, you know, and, a, and to, and it's great points, plenty of great stuff there, Joe and Josh. I mean, you're talking about a, a 300, just over a 300 mile race. It's one of the shortest races on the cup calendar. You know, the stages are short, relatively short. The race goes by quickly. If you make a mistake there, the pit road is goofy as hell. If you make a mistake at Phoenix, you're going to have a very hard time coming back. I don't care if they give him the illegal rocket ship that he had last year um, and he came from tailback in like 50 laps. He came back from tailback. They gave the, they had the comp yellow. And then by, by like three quarters of the way through that stage, he was already in the top 10. I mean, or I think he was in the top five or some crap. I mean, that, that race last year, Jimmy Johnson, in my opinion, should have won that race. But the only reason he didn't is because they didn't want him to pass the final four. Uh, he had a car that was just as fast as, as the other three, at least. I think he would have finished second in that race if NASCAR didn't do their NASCAR thing. Um, the fact of the matter is, though, it's true. Clyde has not been the same level of driver. Yeah, of course, on the road courses, you just expect it now. It's the same way as his dad was on super speedways and the two mile tracks in his heyday. Um, you just assumed that Bill Elliott was going to win on the big tracks. Well, you just assume that William Clyde Elliott II is going to win on a road course. Um, you know, there's death taxes and Chase Elliott wins on road courses. That's why they have more road courses now. That's why they're going to run on street courses. That's why they're going to do all this stuff because their most popular driver's best um, attribute is road racing, which nobody would have thought. I don't know where that came from. It might help that Hendrick Motorsports is able to use Gen 5 cars and use them as test cars um, and sell them to people as for track days. And then I think these guys, the same way as um, uh, I remember, what was it, last year when Alex LeBay, uh, they were trying to go and nail Alex LeBay and the team with uh, Mario Goslin at Daytona saying he was doing illegal testing. Well, 
I would like to go and get somebody to go and look at Hendrick Motorsports, and you want me to go and say that Chase Elliott doesn't have an assumed name, uh, that he hasn't been testing at VIR a lot or or Road Atlanta or, or someplace. There's like he could have went to Pikes Peak because his mom and dad have a house out, out in Colorado. You're telling me he doesn't have an assumed name. He doesn't go by Clyde. His friends don't call him. He don't aren't the only ones that call him Clyde. But you know that's beside the point. The fact of the matter is this: we have a final four. We had a lot of argy bargy, as uh, as um, Calvin Fish would like to say, because it is Martinsville. Where we have guys. I mean, Martin Truex, uh, as Joe said, you know, has made his bones on the 750 tracks. I think if a Penske car had made it. Uh, you know, Blaney aside, I think more Brad and Joey, they're more uh, suited towards the 750 tracks anyway. Um, so that kind of would have been a wild card. I think it's more straightforward here. Um, Kyle Larson has all the pressure on him. He's won nine races. I mean, we look at the this championship format, you know, the BZF format that started in 2004. I think Jimmy had one year where he won 10 races, uh, probably more than a decade ago. Uh, that was, that was like 09, it was 08, 09, somewhere around there. Uh, one of them years uh, that he had his five in a row. Uh, other than that, we haven't had somebody come into the final four with that many wins. Yeah, if Harvick hadn't, you know, given it away last year, we would have had a similar scenario uh, here this year, that last year. but. The expectation and the belief of most people, I would figure the odds also kind of go this way. I am—I mean, it probably would be a little bit lower odds than he might have had if it was a it was a cookie cutter. But the expectation is Kyle Larson is going to close at Phoenix. Um, and the reality is for Kyle Larson, yes, he has become more of a closer here in this post, you know, hard R era. Um, he's been able to win at a very high rate. Um, he finally got his chili bowl. He finally got the Knoxville nationals. Uh, he's won other, I think he won the Kings Royal, whatever. It's like, as long as it's in a dirt car, you, you're, it's almost a guarantee, but this is a different animal here. And you've got Joe Gibbs putting all their eggs in the 19 and the 11, Danny Hamlin, all his whining and moaning he wants to get off the narrative that he's a choker in these big spots martin truex is free rolling if there's one person that i think that's in this that's free rolling nobody's giving him any attention and that's scary considering what martin truex has done over the past five years of his career and considering his pre you know career pre cup career when he was able to win championships um with consistency and wins doing you know the old school method but he's figured out how to do this and him and James Small you're going to give them a practice too you're going to give um all these guys practice and that might be that might be the thing that helps Kyle Larson but to me it i think it comes back to 
previous record, recent history, it would be shocking if Clyde goes and gets repeats, but it's not out of the realm. He had a car that was a rocket. That's one of the fastest cars I've ever seen at Phoenix ever. That wasn't an Indy car. Uh, Davey Allison had a car like that back in 91, but you know, like, you know, Ernie had a car like that in 93. He couldn't beat Mark Martin. That car that he had last year at Phoenix could have lapped the field if they had like 450 laps or something like it was that fast. Um, I figure Gustafson and him, they put everything together in a spot pit position, pit road position. And that's one thing that's different. I guess this is where we'll go with, we'll go with this piece because we'll get into more details. We have to get any Xfinity in the trucks too, but it's less of an issue. Um, how much Josh, I'm going to go with you first. How much do you feel this having practiced for the first time since Indy, having a qualifying session for the first time since Indy is going to dictate things. I mean, I think the pit road position, I think they've been given the first four pit stalls. I think that's just or first four picks. I don't know if there anything has come out that's stated otherwise, or if it's going to be dictated based on qualifying. Um, how much do you think that those two pieces that haven't been there for most of the year are going to affect each uh, of the final four? Well, I think for Larson, it's going to give him an opportunity to get extra reps in for uh, this track at Phoenix. I mean, he's had plenty of top tens in the last couple of years that uh, he's raced at Phoenix. Uh, he had had a chance in 2017 to win uh, late, uh, didn't get that to happen. Um, but he's, I, I would say he's probably better than what some people realize at Phoenix. I know Joe said earlier that it's not one of his best tracks. I mean, I wouldn't say it is his best track or, or it's not his best track, but uh, he's been able to uh, do fairly well uh, in the last couple of years that he's raced there, but it's going to give him an opportunity to uh, at least have a baseline for his car. And, uh, you know, he's been the best driver this season, so uh, it'll have opportunity for him to continue to uh, improve his car through practice. And I think one thing to uh, factor is like Joe Gibbs has been better on 750 tracks. Uh, Hendrick hasn't been quite good on the 750 tracks. They've been better on the higher speed tracks like Nashville and Bristol, but I mean, on 750, they haven't been good at like Martinsville or Phoenix, uh, like uh, the Gibbs cars have. And I think uh, it's going to give them an opportunity, especially the five and the nine as well, to uh, have a chance to measure up themselves in practice on lap times, on speed, uh, compared to uh, the 11 and the 19. So I think that's going to be one thing to consider. And then I I think for uh, Joe Gibbs, especially with Truex, um, they're probably going to use the same car that they used back uh, when they won in March at Phoenix because you know they're coming in as the uh, defending winner from the previous Phoenix race, and I think that gives the the 19 a huge advantage uh, going into this race. Um, they they know that they can drive well at these tracks, uh, so they're going to be able to continue to uh, build on what they they had last time. So at I see the 19 probably being the the favorite here just because of their success that they've had. And then um, it's also going to give um, Hamlin a chance to uh, improve his, I guess, record at Phoenix. But I think qualifying as well, uh, we're going to see um, who can actually qualify here at this track. Uh, Larson, you know, he's got a lot of talent and I mean, he's maybe not the best qualifier, but Certainly he could, uh, with the way he's uh, able to drive, could qualify up in the top five. Um, I think Truex is probably going to have a pole or close to pole speed. Hamlin, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think Chase Elliott's a pretty good qualifier, so I could see him qualifying pretty easily into the top 10. But uh, it's all just going to give them a chance to uh, prepare for this race like uh, they haven't been able to. So 
uh, you know, starting a, it's going to affect the beginning of the race as well, because I think the beginning of uh, a lot of these races, uh, these cars have been able to uh, have a chance to settle in, especially uh, knowing that they have that competition caution uh, to start the race. But now, uh, now that they have practice, now they, they're going to know uh, what their cars are going to be like going uh, into the race once they start. Uh, so there's not going to be like a, a concern of how the handling is going to be uh, before you know they hop into the race car and start the race. Now they'll have a, at least an idea of what it's going to feel like and uh, the handling, what uh, what they're struggling with that weekend, what they might need to improve on uh, during the race uh, but before it started, which you know we haven't had uh, this season. So that's going to be interesting. But I, I will say during the race, it's going to be interesting for Larson because, uh, yeah, he's been the most successful driver this season. But there's been a couple of times this year where uh, he choked late. I mean, you look at Atlanta, uh, led most of the laps of that race, but then uh, didn't have the best handling car at the end, uh, gave it up to Ryan Blaney. Uh, Kansas had a chance to beat Denny Hamlin in that one back in the spring, but then uh, didn't win that race. And then uh, I think, yeah, he tried to pass on the last restart, but then ended up getting into the wall. And then uh, he was in 24th, I think, at the end of that race. So there's a couple of uh, races that he didn't close where he probably should have. So it's going to be interesting if it comes down to late race situation and he has to uh, close and uh, you know, that high pressure situation, which uh, we haven't really seen uh, Larson or even Elliot in, you know, with those Hendrick cars. So I think that's going to be an interesting aspect to look at too. And I mean, I, I kind of started on it. Josh mentioned it, Joe, uh, how much does, because this is, I mean, most motorsports series outside of NASCAR, even during the peak, and I mean, we're still in this pandemic, no matter what certain people want to think. Uh, most motorsports series have gone back more or less to their normal setup with practice, qualifying, and the like. NASCAR, through whatever gimmick they want to come up with, whether it's cost savings with an air quote or um, whatever, you know, wanting to keep the guys that are running well up front, not being in the back unless they failed inspection, um, which is its own separate discussion, the way they do fines and penalties and all of that. Um, we might get into that in a few moments, but how much does, do you think it, it plays uh, when it comes to this or, or is there a possibility that one of these guys goes and screws up a lap, you know, and, and puts themselves tailback and, uh, and it becomes kind of a, an intriguing deal. Uh, does, I mean, Kyle Larson, I know he can put a fast lap down he's done it in a dirt car, but putting a fast lap down when it counts in a cup car, he's, he's a good qualifier, not a great qualifier. I don't think any of these guys are considered like amazing qualifiers. Um, and, um, you have the likes of William Byron, who's kind of made his uh, made his name recently as a guy who puts down good laps. Um, you have Kyle Busch, who has nothing to lose. You have Penske guys who are free rolling here. Um, the I mean, SHR basically been a disaster most of the year. Kevin Harvick wants to actually get a win. It would be weird for him not to get a win. Uh, be the first time and since like the early 2000s or something that he hadn't won a race, I think. Uh, so that would be something. Um, of course, you know, even Briscoe, who's going to win the Rookie of the Year, would want to finish out his year well. Um, last time they had qualifying, qualifying the outside pole. 
Um, Eric Almirola does really well on these flat tracks. So there's there's a lot of players here that could actually go and kind of mess with this Final Four. But that pra- this kind of qualifying and practice setup is what NASCAR is going to look like. Cup racing next year with this new car, which we'll discuss here in a few minutes. Um, this is what practice and qualifying is going to look like. How, But in this spot, determining a championship after most of the year not having any of this, how do you feel it's going to affect these guys? Or is it an advantage for any of these guys? You know, I don't necessarily know that I would say that there is an advantage for anybody, that there is practice, um, particularly pertaining to the Final Four. I think for people outside of the Final Four, having practice to look at where those four guys are to see what they can do to improve, uh, that's advantageous to them. As far as the Final Four goes, they're in the Final Four for a reason. I know I just kind of spewed out every reason Chase Elliott shouldn't be in the Final Four, but the fact of the matter is they have speed each and every week, just like all all the other guys in the Final Four. Um, I thought, though, uh, in particular to qualifying, uh, Josh, you had said something that just triggered my mind. Um, This is the first time in a really long time that we're having qualifying. And traditionally, what has happened in qualifying over the past few years, uh, Stuart Haas cars are very fast, um, trimmed out for speed, great on pole day, and great if you can keep the car out front. Once they lose the front of the pack on race day, that's kind of uh, just stories over for them. Hendrick cars, not trimmed out as good. Um, and I agree. I, th- I think out of the four, uh, Josh, you made a remark where Chase is a really good qualifier. I would say out of the four, he's probably the best in qualifying. Um, the Hendrick car is not always traditionally uh, trimmed out the same way that the Haas cars are. That way they do carry over and race day a little bit better. But the Gibbs cars, and I specifically remember this from the start of last year, uh, the end of 2019, not good in qualifying because they set the cars up for grip, not speed. But it makes a big difference on race day. That's why you had uh, 2019, all the Gibbs cars were doing very well. Um, So I I think it'll be interesting to see how the two Gibbs cars that are in the final four uh, do this approach. Do they feel confident enough in this approach where they can start a little bit farther back and still be able to manage the race? Uh, Because, you know, you're going to have stage one and two with the Hendrick cars presumably up front if they do continue to qualify as well. Uh, There's also the opposite side of the token. You know, if Hendrick says, man, you know, the Gibbs cars, the last few times we've done qualifying have been good on race day. uh, Do they maybe switch it up where they set up those two cars, the five and the nine with a lot of grip, give up some of that, uh, that position, that starting position, but probably have a better car over the long run in the race. Uh, another element that can really throw off not only the race and qualifying practice as well is that they're not using PJ1 this weekend. They are using the tire resin that was used earlier in the year. I believe it was at New Hampshire. Um, but this in track Nashville. is never, uh, Nashville. Oh, yeah, maybe it was. You're right. Maybe it was either Nashville, uh, could have been Michigan too. Michigan had a compound down. Um, but this is really interesting. Phoenix has never had, I don't believe, anything other than PJ1 on the track. So having this tire resin, it's going to react differently. Uh, you, you never know. Maybe they don't work so much temperature into it, which allows cars to go up there uh, really early in the race, but then it falls off at the end of the race, right? This is going to be a very dynamic race. But two, what does it do in qualifying? Does somebody go up there and try it out 
and either be a hero or a zero? Do one of the four try it in practice, possibly wreck, and then you have a whole nother problem? Uh, so adding qualifying, I'm very happy, by the way, to see qualifying in practice back. I'm so happy to see it back. But uh, you're absolutely right. There's so many elements that this adds in that you can really make or break your weekend before the, the race even starts. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be for sure interesting to see. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to be honest. I expect one of the final four to win. I don't really care about the other 36, 35, 34 cars. But as far as the final four goes, I'm very intrigued to see uh, how they play not only their race strategy, their weekend strategy. And that's and that's something that I that we've been missing all year and for the last couple of years. And as as a purist, as a longtime fan going way back when uh, and considering watching other motorsports since we cover all different types of motorsports here on the show, the fact that NASCAR hasn't had practice in qualifying has been irritating to me. Um, I know it's been irritating to Kyle Busch. Um, I think uh, his statistics might look just a little bit different. Um, it's proof positive when he gets to drive another vehicle, whether it's his own truck, whether it's the 54, he gets practice, he runs better. Um, that's just history. Um, but then when you're as good as Kyle Busch, and you have an ego as big as Kyle Busch and you look like a mosquito, you're going to be able to pull it through more times than not. But in recent years, since the second um, horseshoe, he got shoved up his butt um, with the title. It's been kind of difficult for him, uh, but we will see what goes on uh, practice and qualifying. We're going to get into some other topics uh, when it comes to uh, in regards to next year and cup series and in general shortly let's get into xfinity and trucks though um, do it um, across the board here the xfinity uh, finale uh, this weekend uh, will be 200 miler um, on saturday evening so that'll be uh, saturday night race at uh, Phoenix uh, they've been running it during the middle of the, during the day for many years so now they're putting it as a night race so that's cool it's of course an even shorter race uh, coming up this weekend leading into that though uh, Noah Gregson gets himself in to the final four with a victory um, shotguns a beer you know has you know trades numbers with with some mill for something, whatever he does. Um, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, Austin Sindrick finished second. Daniel Hemrick. I mean, I don't know. It's uh, I mean, I've been a Daniel Hemrick guy fan for years. I mean, not just because of his driving ability, but because he's got a beautiful wife that can drive a race car too. Um, but I don't know how or when he's ever going to win a race. Like it might just end up being Daytona next year. Cause I don't think it's going to be this coming Saturday. Um, he had a chance to win this race though. Uh, lane choice decisions late were questionable. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what the crew thinks here. They were the top three. They all will be in the final four. Um, AJ Allmendinger will also be in the final four. And uh, you had Sam Mayer who got in his stuff, which, you know, it's Sam Mayer. And um, Justin Allgaier finished fifth. So the junior motorsports crew had three of the top five. Uh, Bruckshot Jones finished sixth. Alex LeBay, I got him Alex, two Alex LeBay mentions here 
on the program today. Um, it's and then we're not even talking about the Canadian whatever the cast car Canadian tire uh, whatever the hell they call the Canadian NASCAR series now um the former champion there uh, he finished eighth Jeremy Clements ninth and uh Herbst well uh, he finished tenth um that's that's something uh I'm looking here Myatt Snyder who still has a job uh got a new job next year because of RCR finished 13th I guess he's related I mean Myatt Snyder must be related to Richard Childress or something because he still has a job. Um, JJ Ailey got stage points. Brett Moffitt and his stupidity got stage points. Uh, Harrison Burton got stage points in the finished second in stage two, finished 20th, uh, got damage, which uh, knocked him out of uh, contention to make the final four. Uh, Ty Gibbs got spun out and uh, finished 27th. Josh Berry, who won earlier this year, at Martinsville in the eight car was driving the 31 car this week, had a good piece at times, uh, but finished 28th looking through some of the other guys. Ryan Sieg actually got stage points. Jeb Burton had stage points, got wrecked and uh, Michael Lynette, um, Michael. Lynette. So we'll get into this final four here. Greg Sin, uh, defending series champion, Austin Sindrick, Daniel Hemrick, it's his third final four since this format has come along. And of course, AJ Allmendinger, uh, the battle, you know, Allmendinger and Sindrick have been the two best drivers this year. I'll send it to you first, Joe. Um, you have Gregson with the momentum here coming in with the win. And, but he is an interesting character, nor Gregson. Um, and then you have Hemrick, who, I mean, Daniel Hemrick, it's the driving force. When is he going to win a race? Is he going to pull one out of his butt on Saturday and just like go and take the soul of everybody else? I, I have a hard time believing it. I want to see it happen. It would be hilarious. Um, it would kind of show the the championship format is kind of farcical, as Al Michaels would say. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we have this final four, two of the best drivers all year. And then two guys that on and off have been there. More Hemrick through most of the season. And Gregson, for what he is, is flashy. He has a following. I think the fan, the fans, his fans, of course, want to see him win. There's a segment of the population that like this sport that seem to like him. There's just as many people in this sport that are fans that would like to see him hit the wall. Um, 10 laps into a race. Um, I'm one of those people, and I really don't care if people are going to be mad about it because um, he's a douche. But um, I'll let that, I'll let you go, Joe, um, and give your analysis on the race on Saturday and initial thoughts on next, this coming Saturday's uh, Final Four and what we should expect. Yeah. So, first off, you have to, even if you don't like him, you like him, you don't like him, you have to appreciate the character that Noah Gregson is, the the personality that he has. Uh, of course, it's going to rub some people the wrong way, but what better way to celebrate a victory than shotgun beer with, you know, 100,000 of your closest friends or however many people uh, that Martinsville says. <laughs> so, um you know, very similarly to how I talked about, you had Larson and Hamlin very much neck and neck a lot of the year. I think that's the same dynamic that uh, Almendinger and Sindrick have had in Xfinity. The difference with these two compared to the other pair, they have been much closer uh, 
in competition than the five and the 11, right? The five uh, kind of hit his stride in the summer. The 11 started to come back. They were always even in points. These two have always been pretty even in points, but because they run, you know, two, three spots apart the whole season in every track, in every stage, in every finish. So these two, to me, this is a much more even matched. Uh, if you just want to talk about the two cars that dominated the season uh, between the 16 and the 22. Now, I have found as of late, the 16 will start the race uh, pretty strong and fade in the middle. And it's kind of 50-50 what happens that there at the end. Is he going to get past fifth spot? Now, I don't want that. Uh, I don't want to knock on them because they still run top five most of those races. But, you know, it, it's... It's concerning if I'm calling racing, if I'm the 16 team, right? I need to be able to bounce back if I fade in that second stage. With this being as short of a race as it is, uh, you really have to hope that you don't fade at all. Um, the 22, I think, has been a little bit more solid, especially through this last round of the playoffs that we saw. Uh, was in contention, I mean, right there at the very end at Martinsville. So, um, and being the defending champion, he knows how to deal with this pressure. He's been in this spot before. This is nothing new to him, which I think to him is a huge advantage as well. Uh, and then you have the two who, you know, they, they got in, you know, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, right? Because Hemrick has been strong a lot of the season, has won a lot of stages, uh, but he just can't close. Uh, and, and sometimes it's not his fault. Sometimes it's just, you know, the caution comes out and something crazy happens to him, right? He's been caught up in plenty of messes that were not his. He was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, as far as Gregson goes, the first, the regular season for him was pretty bad. Uh, re- got some redemption there at the end, one at Darlington and one at, uh, at Richmond. But, I mean, had it not been for those two wins, he was sort of just squeaking on by into the playoffs, right? But a lot of people don't remember that, you know, at that point in the season when he did win at Darlington, he was, I think he was 10th or 11th or 12th in points, right? Like yeah, on the bubble of not even being in the playoff picture, which I think to a lot of people uh, was kind of shocking. To me, it was shocking. I expected that that team would have a win at that point. And even if they didn't, that they would have more points. So he's definitely been stronger throughout the playoffs, but like Henrik, he too has been in a few incidents. Uh, you know, in fact, the two of them tangled the 18 and the nine just Multiple a few weeks times. ago at Kansas. Yeah. Uh, there was another race. Those two got into it. I think that was Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. And, and that too, you know, I have absolutely no doubt that somebody's willing to wreck somebody else for this championship. I kind of don't like that. I'll be honest. Uh, because I like clean and hard racing over, you know, well, I'm just going to dump this guy and be on my way. That kind of takes a little bit of excitement out of it. But, um, you know, if it comes down to the nine and the 18, one of them will wreck the other if they're within distance of doing it. If it comes down to the 16 and the 22, I don't know that they'll wreck each other. Uh, they'll definitely put a fender to a door if they want to, but I don't know that that would be uh, an intentional wreck waiting to happen. Um, nonetheless, again, very interesting final four, uh, can definitely see the 16 and, uh, the 22 winning the championship. Again, both of them have just been so good all year. The nine, I can't say I would be shocked. Um, I think I would be more shocked in that sense, just because the 16 and the 22 didn't win it rather than the nine winning it. Um, the 18, my God, I was talking to a friend about Hemrick the other night 
And we were talking about how insane if it would, if he would win his first race in the same race and win the championship. I got to be honest, I can't see it happening. I can't see him winning a race. And it, it just, I think, has to do with the fact that he's had no luck. Uh, he's blown a few races this year alone, and he's in the best equipment that there is in the field. He's in Joe Gibbs racing equipment. If you can't win in Joe Gibbs equipment, I don't know if you can win, right? You, you're talking about waiting for that first win for him. When will he win? I've dropped the when. Will he win is my question. Uh, but I don't think we need a reminder that a few years ago in trucks, we did have a champion who went winless, Matt Crafton. So it's not completely out of the picture that this guy does not win the race and still wins championship. And based on this format, it also kind of plays into where it could happen. You know, some if a bad pit stop for uh, Sindrick or or Almendinger, Almendinger, you know, for as talented as he has been for as long as he's been around in motorsport, which is 15, 17 years, both in open wheel and, and in NASCAR, he's liable to make mistakes in big spots. Uh, it used to be the thing in Cup when they'd always say, oh, he's the favorite at the road courses, and the cartoon anvil would drop on his head. Um, he's already like four feet tall, but then he'd become like three foot eight, um, at Sears Point, where he he didn't he didn't stall the car like Marcus Ambrose did, which was epic fail. Uh, but he's had bad pit stops. He choked like when Tony won his last race. It's there, but the colleague deal, Chris Rice, that whole group. There's a difference there, and of course AJ's much different space in his life. You know, is smoking. I mean, he had a smoking hot wife before, but now his current wife's a pageant queen and all this stuff, and he's really loose and feeling good about life. So that's one thing. You have Sindrick, who's free rolling. He's driving the two car next year. No matter what happens, he's had a great, he's had a solid year as in a defense of his championship. I figure um, he would be the favorite going in, but, you know, who knows? I think it's it's a toss between those two guys, the way they've run all year. Um, if the 9 and the 18 get into play, I mean, the to be fair, before I throw to you, Josh, the Gibbs cars in recent years at Phoenix have been very good. Brookshot Jones, um, for his lack of talent, has won there multiple times. Uh, Kyle Busch, when he drives there, God, I mean, albeit it's Kyle Busch. I think you could put him in a wheelbarrow and he could win at Phoenix. Um, but anytime he jumps in an Xfinity car, basically he wins. One of those times he didn't was Bruckshot uh, last year. Uh, you've had other guys run well there. You got Ty Gibbs. He's going to be in that one of the cars, the 54, as a precursor to his likely final four appearance next year. Um, so, you know, he's going to be up there. So that could kind of be a dynamic shift there. Um, there's a couple players... I think these guys that are not unlike the cup series where there's going to be like this APB do not get in the way of the final four. It doesn't really work as well in the Xfinity and the trucks because the lack of respect is there. 
where they don't really care. Um, Ty Gibbs has run over anybody and everybody. Hurt Tim Richmond in the ARCA series, or no, that was the other guy um, that uh, drives for um, Kyle Busch as well, uh, Corey Heim. But, you know, like they ran over everybody. Like he went, like he went full, but him and Corey Heim went like full Mike Wallace on Sean Robinson at Atlanta 94 during the ARCA season this year. It was like epically bad. Um, We're talking about respect. And it could happen on on Saturday where Ty Gibbs loses his mind or Sam Ware loses his mind, and it could affect this championship. Um, I'm not. I mean, for I mean, they cut checks. I mean, Joe Gibbs will pray to Jesus to go and save him, and he'll call Joel Osteen or whoever other televangelist that they're all hooked up with. But I mean, you can't come to Jesus quick enough if you've wrecked that many people over your whole entire time, uh, Josh. But, you know, when you, you talk about there's going to be qualifying, whatever it looks like, or it seems like, because if they have 42 for 40, then that means, well, yeah, John Hunter is going to be, okay, so John Hunter is going to be in the race. So that's promising. Um, might be doing it after winning a truck series championship. We'll get into that. Um, says Sheldon Creed is a late entry uh, for BJ McLeod. So that's interesting um, as a precursor to him running full-time for RCR next year in the wheel and engineering number two. Uh, trying to look at some of these other guys that are here. You know, Parsons and Vargas, Matt Mill, and a lot of the BJ McLeod people changing the number, all that. Uh, Mike Lynette's last start. God bless them. Um, do us all a favor. Sponsor one of the guys that are at Junior Motorsports, Josh Berry, um, and 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 make sure that Pilot Flying J and whatever gets more promotion than you ever had in your decades of mediocrity. Um, as we have, yeah, Mayor looking at Bailey Curry. Joe Graff is driving the 17 because the 07 will be drove, driven by J.J. Ailey, who, of course, is from Arizona. Um, is it Blake Perkins? Blaine Perkins. Lupton. Sage Karam. All right, Sage Karam will be in the 31 car. And trying to look over here, some of these other people. Yeah, I think John Hunter. Oh, so there's no Ty Gibbs. So my yeah, old John Hunter's in about, the 54. All right, so so John Hunter might just go win the race. So that'll be fun. Um, that'll make it funny because they're like, oh, man, John Hunter, he won the Truck Series Championship. I'm already giving away who I think is going to win on, on Friday night. But <laughs> um, he's I think he's going to get a double and uh, make it not as dramatic. But I think in the end, though, you know, we talk about – we've been talking about Sindrick and Almendinger all, all year or most of this year. Uh, but I, I guess – and I think it's going to come down to one of those two. I mean, Joe talked about it. When it comes to this, though, is is there – I mean, there is a chance. It's not out of the realm as much as it may be in the cup side. It isn't as much out of the realm in my to my feeling, but I don't know about your thinking, Josh – that Daniel Hemrick can go and pull the Hail Mary and win, or Gagson can do two in a row and do what any other driver that's been in the nine car since nine cars existed has done, which is win a lot and win championships, except him. Well, he could make up for that in the in a matter of two weeks. Or in the case of jo- uh, Joe, what he what we, we he led up to, basically in the playoff, 
he made up or late or before the just before the playoff, he made up for basically being a waste of a seat. And in the last 12 weeks, he might actually make himself a legitimate race car driver, um, which would make so many people happy um, and do so much for our society. Yeah, I mean, I think with Noah Gregson, it, it's it's definitely possible for the nine car to go out and win this race. They're they're going to have practice as well, so they're going to have a chance to get the car dialed in and and uh, be able to figure out what they need to uh, get it working on Saturday. But uh, yeah, I think Gregson, if if he's going to win, it's going to probably going to come in a late race scenario where they either come out, you know, up front or in the lead on pit road or something. And he's going to be able to make something happen on the restart and get really aggressive. Uh, Cause that's kind of his style. Um, and possibly maybe he might end up being the guy that wrecks somebody for the championship. It's may, may not be intentional, but you know, he's not really going to care that much uh, about it. You know, that's his style to go out and uh, be as aggressive as he, as he can. And, uh, go out and win win races and of course win the championship so that's uh what you have to look out for with uh Noah Gregson I think Daniel Hemrick uh if he's gonna win it's probably gonna come as a long run car like if uh they're able to get a long green flag run to the finish which probably won't happen because it's the championship race and it's also in the Xfinity series uh in the championship race so that's all going to be a factor uh with the the type of you know quality of the field and also the timing of the cautions uh but i feel like his style is probably going to be more of the type to win over or you know have good long run speed and be able to uh take the lead and run away with it uh for the end of the race i mean you saw that at martinsville uh he had the best car at the end before the last couple of cautions had the lead but then lost it after the last uh, set of restarts there so if you know he has a good car like that where uh he he can make up time during green flag runs uh definitely can see uh hammerick up there but i think really the focus as we've been saying is on aj almanir it's on austin cindrick i mean these guys have been trading wins all year I do think if it comes down to a late race scenario, which probably will, like I just said, uh, I would probably give the nod to Cindric because with uh, Almendinger, um, I mean, there's been times in his career where he's um, hasn't been on on that end and he's choked. But I, I mean, I think he has had a bit of a mindset change uh, in the last couple of years that he's competed in Xfinity. But it's you know it's still there with the history uh, that he's had. So I might go with Cindric there, but I, I think, you know, the respect level, I mean, consider some of the drivers in this series, how they've raced, I mean, including Gregson. It's like, I mean, it's possible that we have a, a really weird situation, you know, where the leader gets wrecked or, um, you know, one of the top contenders in the race uh, gets in an accident late and, you know, causes all sorts of chaos. And we get a, a whole bunch of restarts to end the Xfinity season. Um, I think, you know, also with, um, guys like Justin Algar, guys like John Hunter, who have really good cars, they could also be, uh, uh, foils for the, uh, the top four because the 54, I mean, I, you're going to pick him to probably win this race. And it's very likely, I mean, cause the 54, when John Hunter drove last time at Texas, I mean, it's a mile and a half track, but still was better than everybody else. He's better than Daniel Hemrick, who probably could have won that race, uh, again, and another caution, another restart. And, uh, that he wasn't able to uh, convert that one into win. So, um, I think the 54 has a really good chance at winning as well. The seven, uh, Justin Algar has been really good at Phoenix over the last couple of years and he, he could end up 
being in uh, that situation where he's he's a leader late race scenario, and you know it's going to come down to if he's going to let the championship four settle it from themselves, or he um, goes out and tries to get a win for himself and in in the season on a high note, you know, to kind of mitigate the disappointment of not being in the uh, championship four. So a lot of scenarios that uh, could play out here in in the series. Um, I mean, I think in Cup, kind of all expect the final the you know, the final four to be up there the entire race. Uh, but I think, um, you know, here with uh, the Xfinity, definitely a, a chance that, you know, one of the outsiders uh, spoils the race or one of the final four, you know, somebody else in, in the outsiders uh, have a chance to get aggressive or ruin the race for, you know, one of those guys. Yeah, I think there's going to be some uh, nonsense that happens uh, on Saturday evening with the Xfinity race, but to be fair, if it is in the 22 or the 16, it'll be somewhat of a surprise. No matter what Gibbs has done there in recent history, or Gregson and his lovely fan base. Um, Going into the trucks, uh, this past uh weekend they were they ran the uh united rentals 200 which was um you know austin hill got to announce uh his deal uh, moving to the xfinity series full-time with rcr as a teammate to sheldon creed but zane smith ended up coming through and getting the dub um pissing off matt crafton and junior joiner in the process um austin hill finished second in the sponsors race tanner gray finished third best basically the best run he's had all year um probably should go back to pro stock it would be better for him uh jandler smith finished fourth matt crafton fifth parker kligerman uh it'll be something he'll actually get to qualify this weekend it'll be something uh, he finished sixth after starting 30th Ben Rhodes, seventh, Taylor Gray, eighth. So the two Gray brothers actually uh, finish in the top 10. Uh, DGR gets to top 10 finishers. Sheldon Creed, the defending series champion, even though he finished ninth, he will not have the opportunity to defend his championship, falling four points short of the cut line, which uh, between Matt Crafton, John Hunter and who were tied. John Hunter got into issues, uh, got hooked by noted uh, dingbat Austin Wayne self, and uh, getting right reared is definitely no bueno. But in current day NASCAR, depending on your creed or whatever your your whatever the color of your skin, it's okay if they right rear you. Um, Austin Wayne Self, who's been suspended for drugs, has been suspended for um, just being who he is, um, being an idiot. And uh, but he right rears the guy who is the the favorite to win the championship. Nothing happens. Uh, I don't know how that's possible. It's it's pathetic. I mean, Kyle Busch went and used the R word, and um, they're saying he needs sensitivity training. I mean, he needs more sensitivity training. In the case of Austin Wayne himself, he needs an eye test um, and a driver's test because if it wasn't for his mom and dad, he probably wouldn't have any business driving a race car. Um, The guy that he denigrated drove his truck and did better than him, but he's still in the truck because the truck series is dying. Um... John Hunter almost missed the final four, which would have made it farce. Made it a farce. The defending series champion missing the 
Championship Four is kind of a farce, but that was more key akin to the deal that Zane Smith hit everything but the lottery. Um, Crafting got lucky there. Uh, I'll send it to you, Josh, first. Um, I mean, Zane Smith backdooring his way in the Final Four after a generally nondescript year. For him, last year was a much better season. This year is not, he's not really followed it up very well. And when you consider that Sheldon Creed has done all right most of the year, uh, I mean, they've had Endfinger. I think they've had other guys come in and do something. Uh, it's been a generally disappointing season for GMS um, that now they're not even going to be able, I mean, they might be able to get a win, get a championship with Zane Smith, which would be shocking. Um, but I have a hard time believing that's going to happen, even with what he did uh, Saturday afternoon at Martinsville, because um, I think it'll be between the two Toyota drivers of John Hunter Nemechek and Ben Rhodes. Yeah, I think for the truck series for uh, Zane Smith, he's been basically listless all year. Uh, I mean, he's had the same amount of top tens as he had in 2020 when he had 13 between uh, both of the uh, seasons so far. But uh, this year, he's just been kind of out of the out of the running for the most part with uh, the way he's run so far this year, uh, just hasn't had the type of pace that he's had last year. And like you said, overall GMS doesn't really have the, the pace that they had a year ago. I mean, Sheldon Creed, uh, also drives through GMS and he wasn't really all that great up until the playoffs and then had a mostly great playoffs for him, but then just didn't make it into the final four. And that was, you know, because kind of how that finished and then his teammate, uh, Zane Smith, uh, bumped him out there. So, um, that's, a uh, kind of a guy that we would have thought would have contended for this final four that isn't in there, but yeah, Zane Smith, um, could be a surprise winner, uh, if GMS is able to give him a good piece uh, to compete with uh, John Hunter Nemechek there. I think, of course, John Hunter Nemechek's the favorite. The four car has been very dominant the entire year. Uh, but, I mean, there have been moments where he wasn't uh, as great and where he probably uh, needed to be good. But I think he's the leading favorite. Ben Rhodes, uh, you know, after Daytona, he won the first race, uh, won at Daytona Road Course. And then we haven't really heard from him very much uh, the rest of the year. Um, he's you know, quietly gone about his business, uh, throughout the entire truck seasons, you know, managed to make it, uh, into the final four now. So he could be a threat, but, um, we haven't really seen a whole lot of him, uh, since, uh, Daytona at the very beginning of the year. Um, and I'm just not sure what the pace is going to be for him compared to, uh, John Ernie So I think, um, for, and then of course we have Matt Crafton who always the wily vet, but he just, you know, again, uh, compared to the four car, hasn't had a whole lot of speed uh, to, you know, give him a chance to win the race and think it's going to, you know, come down to the late race restart. I mean, it's going to be the theme across all three series here with uh, how the, the championships is decided. And I think um, as long as John Hernimichek keeps it up front, uh, has a clean race and he's able to, um, you know, have good strategy, I think he's probably going to be the winner here uh, for this uh, truck series championship. And John Hunter, of course, has signed back for next year to drive this four truck. And we don't know who else will be there, whether it'll be Chandler Smith, whether it'll be uh, Corey Heim or somebody else for Kyle Busch Motorsports. I think the end game for John Hunter uh, is getting in a 2311 cup car. Uh, I think he wants to get a second stab at it in top equipment. When you consider that, the 45 is coming out next year with Kurt. 
Bush, and um, we don't know how long Kurt has in his career. We don't know what his involvement may be with that organization. He's, you know, dovetailing. He's doing TV stuff right now with FS1 for the trucks to be literally the only person that has a clue on that broadcast. Uh, you know, he, he, it seems like he wants to have involvement considering he sees Hamlin. You know, Brad now is going to be a part owner of what, is, what has been Roush Racing. At one point, you have Gordon is running Hendrick Motorsports. You have Smoke owns his own team. Uh, there, there are a lot of people out there, young, younger type owners, Matt Colleague, um, which we're going to mention, we're going to talk about here in a few moments time. Uh, one of the guys that's coming into this cup series, but honestly, Joe, it would be a disappointment after what John Hunter has done this year and what John Hunter has done in general in his truck series career. He's proven he has talent. He's proven he's very aggressive, probably to a fault, um, more than his father was. Um, but in this spot here, he said it's about winning. He came back to the trucks because he wanted to win. Kyle Busch didn't hire him to finish second. He needs to win this deal. I mean, in the end, if he doesn't win this deal and, you know, it's some sort of Hail Mary thing, something weird happens, which is kind of what happened last year in the finale. Um, former guest of the show, Dawson Cram, had a spin late and that kind of affected the uh, final result. But when you consider it allowed Sheldon Creed to become champion and his teammate basically napalmed himself in his post-race interview um, and sent himself down into um, dumb fuck purgatory, um, you know, it's it's fine. I think that was just karma catching up to him there. But in this spot, John Hunter Nemechek not coming through would be akin to, you know, Denny Hamlin level, you know, choking away a championship here, I think, because John Hunter has been on a different level all year to be. I mean, if you're going to say who's the guy, like if it is him or Kyle Larson, there's going to be way more attention on Kyle Larson. If he doesn't close the deal, it'd be really bad. But honestly, John Hunter, if he doesn't close this deal, you're going to have to answer that all through the offseason, leading into next year, all through the regular season, even through the playoff. This is going to carry for a long time because Toyota's putting a lot of, I think they're putting a lot on John Hunter to be one of their guys for their future because Toyota, as it stands right now, is a much older organization without a lot of youth that is like, that seems ready. Ty Gibbs, for whatever he is, is going to be there. But outside of that, who else is in a Toyota that you think is going to be there? John Hunter is that guy. He needs to close the deal. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, and what you said about Kyle Busch, he doesn't hire anybody to finish second. Uh, you go work for Kyle Busch, that's basically the same thing as signing on with, uh, with Gibbs or Hendrick in Cup. You don't go there because you're not talented. You don't go there to finish second. You go there to win. You win races and you win championships. And John Hunter has brought back some life to that organization. They were really struggling the past few years. Um, I don't remember which driver it was who left. May I want to say maybe it was Byron, but I feel like that was too long ago. Um, mm -hmm. Where after that driver left, the organization really started to struggle. And you have these younger guys who are in these cars like Chandler Smith, who just, they aren't blossoming. They aren't coming about. And maybe it's just, they're not blossoming as fast as other drivers have. 
uh, or, or whatever it might be. Like but, Todd Gillen. Um, yeah, Todd Gillen, another great example. Um, you know, if, so John Hunter is the favorite to win. I mean, you know, Cup, we've said it's a little bit, you know, it's going to be disputed maybe based off of uh, preference or whatever. Uh, Xfinity, I don't even think you can declare a favorite. This series is very different. John Hunter has been the class of the field all year long. He constantly, at least with the regulars, and even when Kyle Busch, let's remember, hopped into a truck a few weeks and and John Hunter still came out victorious. John Hunter has put himself so far ahead of all of the rest of the truck regulars this season, no matter what situation he's in. He has constantly managed to, to first off, be at the front. And even when he has an issue, he finds his way back there. Um, So that, to me, is just some, it's just a telltale sign. He's going to have success, whether it's in Xfinity or Cup or Trucks, wherever he goes in the future, he will be successful. But as far as the more short term, uh, yeah, if he doesn't win this championship, I'll be shocked. It's going to, something is going to have to take him out or somebody possibly, uh, you know, if Austin Wayne self decides he wants to go around too. Um, yeah, it's going to take something for this serious for this four team to lose this championship. Um, you know, I think what Josh was saying uh, about the other three is really head on. I mean, Ben Rhodes came out and the season, you know, he exploded, uh, you know, wins in the first two races um, and the fashion that he did it in was uh, fantastic. But after that, he's sort of fallen off. And ever since John Hunter took the points lead, maybe uh, four or five races into the season, we haven't heard much about Ben Rhodes uh, as far as competing for wins. He's still been at the front of the field, uh, you know, top five, maybe back half of the top 10. But uh, we, we always still see that 99 truck. Crafton, you see him because the truck is really bright, um, consistent. And that's always been his thing. He's always run consistent. But this year just hasn't had the pace for wins, hasn't had the pace really to go out and beat that four truck. Uh, you know, in a one-on-one type situation. And then Zane Smith, great for him that he won Martinsville. Uh, Frankly, I don't see him winning this championship. I would be shocked if he won this championship. Really has not been good all year. Has run into many, many, many issues. I thought he was going to get eliminated in the first round. Um, Had a good first round, made it out, and survived this round solely on that win. Uh, I think... I don't even know how many points he was back. All I know is he was in a must-win going into the race, and uh, and that was going to be either a zero or a hero moment. Ended up being the hero uh, when the two cars next to him wrecked. I, I just, you know, he he's a you could tell he's is going to be around in some capacity. Whether that's he's going to be around still in the trucks, maybe he moves into Xfinity in the near future. But uh, he just he hasn't been successful this season uh, for whatever reason. All of GMS really has struggled this season, uh, especially when you, you look at it last year and you see the amazing runs that uh, Creed and even that Zane Smith had in some of those races. But, um, yeah, I, I think the, the four truck has to be the undisputed favorite moving into uh, the championship race. And if he doesn't win, um, it's probably not because the four team did something. And it's probably not because the the driver of the four made a mistake. It would have to be something really severe. Um, you know, and, and I have even full confidence that the four would, if something happened, if that truck was repairable, 
that they would still be competitive. Yeah, there's very few people that um, are out there in the truck series as of now that I would venture to believe could go and and make much of a dent uh, on a possible John Hunter Nemechek a championship to join his father as a, a NASCAR champion. Uh, there's, I'm trying to think other than the, the Earnhardt's and the Elliot's, um, they, they're, they're the only ones that have done it, um, as family, uh, in NASCAR's three major series off the top of my head. I mean, of course, the Labrani brothers have done it. Um, there's, so there'd be cool to see, uh, John Hunter, um, his dad, Joe, won the 1992 Bush Series championship. So for a lot of people that are listening to this show that probably don't even know, they just know him as Front Row Joe. And Some of the battles that he got in with the likes of Kevin Harvick and whatever, they probably remember him winning 2004. Maybe they remember him winning 2004 at Kansas, beating Ricky Rudd um, in the Wood Brothers car. Um, or he won in the Army car, beating the Wood Brothers car and Ricky Rudd. Uh, but yeah. Joe Nemechek was a guy. He had a mustache too back then and a mullet. Um, so, and I had to promote that since my Halloween costume involved a Rico Abreu mullet hat, um, both at work and at the bowling alley on Monday. It was a big hit. Uh, we'll go from mullets, bringing it old school to the new school. Um, and the two things, um, we'll start with this with, I don't want to keep, you Joe for any longer than you I don't know how long you have but I figure all night okay well that's good for me I'm (laughs) off tomorrow I know Josh has work work. yeah um so we still have some other stuff we have to discuss um outside of NASCAR but I I figure two pieces here this driving standards thing um and the etiquette that exists with current day NASCAR I mean Tony mentioned it um, Tony Stewart. I, I mean, I say Tony, um, most people would know him as just Tony. Um, he mentioned it. Juniors mentioned it. Gordon Johnson, all these guys that retired here the last few years, all these legends and how they were taught how to race relative to what's going on now. And some of the antics and some of the things that took place this weekend, um, relative to what we're going to have this coming weekend in a championship race in a playoff championship race, which uh, to be fair, it's part of what makes NASCAR different than other formats where you're going to have everybody out there. You're not going to have mono mono battles for a championship on on the same court or, or, or field or track here you're gonna have you know everybody and anybody you're gonna have cellar dwellers you're gonna have middle of the rotors and then you're gonna have the front line drivers but this lack of respect and the driving standards and some of the just sheer inability to be able to handle your equipment or in turn handle your equipment around somebody else is not a good sign um, for the future of the sport, especially when you consider in the sense of NASCAR Cup Series racing going to the Gen 7 car, uh, which will have, which will be more of a spec piece, a lot of expensive parts, new transmissions, Five speed, probably should be a six speed, but they made it a five speed. It's the same transmission that they have in the Supercars Championship. Um, You're changing engines. You're still going to have the big ass spoiler 
on one and a half mile racetracks for whatever reason. They're going to look more like the actual car. So that hits, they're hitting the old school fan, but there's a bunch of tech parts that are actually bringing it more to the new school, more to the current day. But my concern is, and I'm going to throw this to you first, Joe, they're going to be destroying a lot of equipment, you know, starting at uh, the LA Coliseum in February for the clash. They're going to go and destroy more equipment during Daytona because they don't know how to drive around each other without destroying half the field. And there's going to be part shortages and we're going to have problems filling fields. I mean, obviously the 36, that 36 charters, those cars will show up. I mean, will they look like a proper car? Will it look like a rent wreck? I don't know, but you're going to have problems there. And if these guys aren't able to respect each other, it's going to be worth more than damaged cars. And I think that's a bad precedent to set as we move forward with the, the, the viability of the sport, which is my concern as a motorsport fan. But I don't know what your thoughts are in regards to that, in regards to Gen 7 and what you've seen this year with some of the driver etiquette and um, lack of respect that might have been out there. Yeah, the, the lack of respect is real. Um, I don't know if it's as bad as some are saying, but it has gotten worse. Uh, and there's no indication that that is going to slow. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I, I get what some of these former drivers have said, but you have to remember the sport has changed, right? And as the sport changes towards this more aggressive format, this more format where it's a lot of take, 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 and not a lot of give, give, give drivers inherently are going to have to learn that they need to take, take, take and not give, give, give. Um, so I don't necessarily fault that on the training of the drivers. Now, as far as the next gen car goes, I was very, very fortunate to be able to sit in not only on the media day announcement when they first uh, announced all the specs of the gen, uh, the next gen car. I was also very fortunate to be a part of the first public testing of the car. I was able to go to Charlotte and uh, and on Monday, a very cold Monday, uh, be able to get to watch the first next gen cars uh, make laps around the Charlotte Roval. Um, I also got the opportunity uh, to see up close the Toyota, the prototype next-gen car. And I have to say, there's one very striking, very distinct feature that makes zero sense to me. The rear bumper is so round. If I put a few together, I could have a globe, okay? What about NASCAR makes you put a round rear bumper? You're asking for crashes to happen especially at these tracks you just mentioned, Daytona. Daytona the last few years, no matter which race you go to, has been crash left and right, right? I mean, how many fin- how many cars finished the Daytona 500 earlier this year, right? In one piece, nonetheless. Uh, the clash a few years ago, but like six cars finished the race. And, you know, putting a, a, a curved rear bumper is an awful idea, right? And and I have to say, it's probably the only thing so far that I'll be so outspoken about because I need to actually see the racing that this car produces, right? You can talk about, oh, the diffuser is going to be great because it's going to reduce the effect of the dirty air, but you actually need to see how much it's reducing the effect. There's no scenario in my mind where NASCAR benefits from this really round rear bumper. And I know it probably sounds really strange, but it's so far the biggest complaint by far I have about the next gen car. You're asking for wrecks to happen. Uh, and, and you're putting them in a more durable car too, at least the body is. 
uh, this composite body, you know, you, you see even the Xfinity series is great because drivers get into each other. They don't really cut down too many tires that way. Um, and it holds up the race. You just hit it with a hammer and it goes right back into place. It's fantastic. Uh, I was very excited to hear that they're going to composite bodies, but this, this round bumper is super concerning. You put that and you tie it into this lack of respect. These drivers constantly getting into each other. Bang. I mean, look at Martinsville this past weekend. How many drivers did we see get into the rear bumper of somebody else? And they were still relatively straight, going straight. That's not going to happen with that because guess what? The nose of the Camaro next year is more pointy again. They took that out two years ago because what was the problem is it didn't line up with the bumper. When the bumpers don't line up, you wreck. So why create a universally round rear bumper for all three manufacturers? I don't know. I own a Camaro, okay? The rear bumper is not that round. It's pretty flat. So you talk about the main feature. They want to make these cars look like these street cars. Give them flat bumpers point blank. But uh, that's my challenge to you, NASCAR. If anybody from NASCAR listens, uh, flatten those bumpers, please, because they're going to wreck a lot. It would be something if people from NASCAR actually listen to our show. Um, I, I would be, I would love to hear have probes or some of these idiot sticks that are, uh, that, that have high ranking positions in NASCAR that decide what these cars are about to go and listen to the show because it would probably blow their mind up. Uh, they wouldn't deal with it very well. Um, a lot of great detail there, Joe. Uh, stuff I definitely didn't know about the Gen 7. Um, I mean, the round bumper part is definitely not a good thing. Um, I'm going to send it to you, Josh. In regards to this car, in regards to what we are seeing right now, are we, I mean, I, I bring up the likes of Corey Heim, I bring up Ty Gibbs, Sam Mayer. Um, those are three very young, talented drivers that I think have a future. And I mean, I know two of them have a future in the sport. Um, Corey Heim, depending on finances, you know, we'll see. Um, he's kind of in that Chandler Smith, you know, Todd Gilliland. Um, I forget who the other guy was That's that was in the 18 car, 18 truck or whoever, you know, like there's been a bunch of guys at um, Kyle Busch Motorsports in recent years. I mean, you have Drew Dollar racing this weekend and he can't drive a hot nail through snow. I mean, there's there's people like that. And you have the likes of Michael Annette, who, you know, mercifully is finally going to retire. Um, the driving standard is not getting better. I think driving standard is dropping. And then in turn, the cost of racing was never going to go down. It's generally always going to go up. And when you're talking about equipment, especially on the Xfinity side with the composite body, and then of course with the Gen 7, with all the changes and all the money that has to be invested in there, it's a big time liability if you're going to be destroying equipment. But to me, the way they've scheduled things out to start next February, they basically want to, you know, do a demo derby and see how everything works. And they're going to have two chances to do it or three, because you're going to have the clash, you're going to have the duels, and then you're going to have the 500. And that's before, and then I didn't even think about practice, talking about practice, like AI, they go in yard sale cars, um, 
at all different times of the day, as long as it ends with it's a day that ends with Y, they will yard sale cars at Daytona and Talladega. Um, so I don't know what the path is here, but it doesn't sound like a path of success. It doesn't sound like a path of logic uh, to me, but I don't know what you're thinking. What do you think, Josh, in regards to what we're seeing in driving standards over your time as a fan to where we are now? and where we're going with this new car. I mean, I definitely agree. It's definitely gotten worse. Cause if you look at the way like 20 years ago, there's a lot of give and take through races and everything. I mean, but then those races were also a lot different. They didn't have stage racing 20 years ago. Um, the playoff format, uh, was still, I mean, well, I mean, 20 years ago now it was, um, yeah, it wasn't a thing yet. Uh, it hadn't been a thing until 2004. So there was still the whole patience thing that, you know, you had to go through an entire race and and take care of the car, uh, take care of your competitors uh, throughout the race. And, you know, you didn't want to uh, put yourself in a situation where you uh, took someone out early. I mean, there are opportunities to get aggressive, of course, but you, you had to always be patient uh, throughout the uh, entire race. And now we have stage racing. We have the playoffs. Uh, we have competition cautions now every race. Um, and that puts a different element into it. And, you know, Joseph mentioned it earlier with the, uh, you know, give and take part of it. Well, uh, the reason why it's take, 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 take now is because uh, the opportunity is there. The system feeds into it. Uh, you have to be aggressive. Uh, you have to do things that, you know, normal other racing series would consider over aggressive. And, um, Jeff Burton said it many times throughout the Xfinity broadcast and the Cup Series broadcast on Sunday, like, oh, your morals will be tested or, you know, whatever. And uh, that was, um, you know, something that kind of annoyed me just because like, you know, you know, like if you were had class, I mean, we saw from Almendinger most of the year, we've seen it from Cindric. you know, those guys come from road racing backgrounds where that type of stuff is really frowned upon. And, you know, Hemrick is maybe one of the last few guys that are coming from an oval background that still race with respect, you know, cause he had to be able to, um, race, you know, really, really well in coming up through the, uh, you know, through the ranks and in, in short tracks and, uh, Build his own you know, late, stuff. yeah, late model stock cars and all of that stuff, super late models. So, you know, that that's part of it too. Um, the way that the system feeds into it. Now you got guys that are going to get wrecked for wins. Um, I mean, I, I kind of want to see, I mean, I mean, we talked about not liking the standard, but I am very interested to see if uh, somebody gets wrecked for the championship uh, because it would actually expose the system. In my opinion, um, you know, if, let's say Sunday, Kyle Larson gets crashed for the win uh, and somebody else comes out on top like, you know, say Danny Hamlin comes out on top. I mean, a lot of people would say that that was super unfair and they would say, Oh, well, you know, if we went back to the old system, Kyle Larson definitely would have been the champion and all that stuff. And, you know, it would give more credence to go back to what it was 20 years ago. So, you know, maybe, maybe somebody has to break the system in order to, um, and expose it for what it is in order to, uh, bring it back to the way things should be. So, you know, that's definitely interesting aspect. And I think the way, the way that this, uh, system goes it's just going to continue until like i said before until you know we have a major incident uh drivers are you know drive over the top of each other and i think the standard really is going to come down to uh restrictor plate races super speedway races because that's where all the accidents happen and that's where i think you kind of see the lack of respect manifested I and mean, we've seen over the last five or six years uh the uh restrictor plate races 
they've had a lot of accidents caused by lack of respect and, um, you know, had drivers this year really drive really aggressively throughout, uh, the middle of, uh, races when they shouldn't have, uh, you know, we had, we've had aggressive bump drafting, uh, cause big ones, you know, cause a big one earlier, uh, this year in the Daytona 500. So that's definitely something to consider as well. And then, you know, one thing to consider with this new car, remember going back to the beginning of gen six, all the way back in 2013, remember how many cars that they crashed and testing through practice, through the, uh, the shootout, through the, uh, the duels and all that stuff. Remember Carl Edwards went through like, what, like seven cars, uh, that Roush had to give him throughout that, um, entire weekend. And that was just when they just had Daytona and, uh, you know, they, it was just contained to that week, uh, two weeks of racing. And now we've adding in the clash. Well, that's a whole nother thing, but of course it is a composite body now. So it's going to be a little bit different. So cars might be a little bit more durable, but then, you know, I also, you know, with the, the rear bumper thing, which is actually was a really good point because, um, it's not as noticeable until you see it in person, I guess, but you know, we're going to have more crashes and stuff. And they've talked about the chassis being a little stiff and drivers, you know, in early testing, William Byron wrecked and was noticeably sore or whatever after that. Um, that's something we really don't know yet is what happens when these guys get into a crash and how stiff is that chassis going to be? Are we going to start seeing a lot more injuries or anything like that? I mean, I'd like to hope that that's not going to happen and that they have actually tested that uh, so that that doesn't become a factor, but it's still something that people have been wondering about uh, since uh, we heard about those rumors back in the summer. So I think with the way that this uh, chassis is designed, it's going to be interesting if we get into a big crash, especially at super speedway where guys uh, get into it and then somebody spins all the way into the wall or we even, you know, see an injury or something like that and definitely uh, cause harm to the drivers. So um, it's going to be interesting. And then especially with the way that these cars, they have, um, on the you know mile and a half, so they're going to be running 650 big spoiler and everything. I mean, we know it might race differently than what it looks like, but still, uh, drivers are probably going to be on the throttle a lot, going to be close together. So it's going to just bring more opportunity for aggression, especially uh, with the way that the system is already designed to do so now. Yeah, we're going on 10 years since Tony Stewart um, had his epic. Uh, he went from we don't belong in the playoffs we're just taking up a playoff spot and then won the first two races of the playoff um had a kind of poor uh, few races after that one martinsville after almost going a lap down and then yeah texas and of course homestead um you're going from 10 years ago you have that to now we're talking about the possibility of the driver is just going to flat jimmy spencer somebody to win a championship which i mean you you could do that but i mean everybody is going to see the replay they're going to replay it five thousand times that you just move somebody or wreck somebody to win um it's not kosher i mean i i was an older and Irvin fan back in the day and he wrecked people left and right um whether it's unintentional he had something to die but it, but he wrecked a lot of people to the point where he had to res go and apologize now a lot of these drivers don't even feel like it, they have to do that. And I think that's part of the reason why we are where we are with some of the driving standards that we have. Um, it's an unfortunate byproduct of that. But, you know, we will see what happens in 2022 in regards to that um, and see if anything really changes. 
I think one other question I'm going to ask Joe and Josh, uh, you know, these charters, especially in the Cup Series. I mean, Chip Ganassi just talked about how uh, valuable the charters were for him. Of course, being a multimillionaire, I don't know if it really matters in his case, but um, I think the charters and who has charters and where they go and how do they go and affect who has the ability to make every race. You could have a rent direct, but as long as you show up every week, you're guaranteed a purse, you're guaranteed all these things. Um, I think that's a byproduct of why JTG Doherty, one of couple reasons that JTG Doherty is going down to one car because they had to run an open car all year and they're making no money on it. And of course, Ryan Priest, God bless his soul, has struggled. Um, he won a truck race earlier in the year, but it's been a struggle in the Cup Series. And he's probably going to go back to running mods. And, you know, he's probably going to make more money than he does. I mean, make a lot of money doing that, but it's not the same as running the Cup Series. And it's because there's no charter. Uh, 2311, as it stands, does not have a charter for Kurt Busch, uh, but he has a past champions provisional for four races or five races uh, before that whole thing changes. Um, Joe, I'm going to ask, or actually, Josh, I'm going to ask you first. In regards to the charters, uh, I mean, the charter system in its own right, Chip Ganassi sold it just now to where it looks like this amazing thing but um is it really truly helping the overall health and growth of our sport uh these charters and limiting who can show up versus who has who can or whatever way you want to talk about it i mean i think for the current you know ownership in nascar for you know who exists it helps them have i guess like some type of equity in the series and it also gives them uh, value for the team if they decide to sell and leave the sport you know they don't have to go entirely penniless or um, go bankrupt trying to you know sell a team you just you know get out of there get out of dodge quickly and and take their money and go home so i think it, it helps people like that but then on the other end you know you have teams that continuously over the years have to sell charters to other teams to uh help that team get in or you have other teams like 2311 that need to be able to buy a charter in order to expand and have uh, security in the series and not have to worry about uh, using the provisional or anything like that. Then of course you have teams like Spire that have been able to kind of uh, start and park races, some races. I mean, they've been able to run better now. They've got Corey LaJoy running, you know, mid twenties now at most races, sometimes you know, between top 10, top 15 every now and then, but they started out as starting park uh, and they, they were able to kind of just use or take advantage of the system to be able to uh, build up their team, which I guess is fine for them. But then there is also teams like, you know, your worst enemy, uh, Rick Ware racing, who seems like they're just there to uh, exist and be in the way you know, and eventually maybe Rick Ware is just going to acquire all the charters and uh, NASCAR is going to become uh, Rick Ware Racing, which, you know, probably be Phillips' worst nightmare. So uh, there's also that. And I think the concern is it's going to um, reward teams like Rick Ware that have that um, ability just to use the charters and they're just there. Uh, they're not going to do anything with it. They're not going to grow their teams. They're just going to, you know, provide slow cars that are in the way. So um, if, you know, we have more teams like track house 2311 that come in able to be more competitive, uh, move up to the cup series. And we've got uh, GMS coming in next year, uh, colleagues coming in the next year, junior motorsports could potentially finally come up to the cup series. 
uh, it's going to be interesting if they can come up, uh, go, you know, go up there, but then also it's going to be a challenge because as the years go on, the charters are going to continue to get more expensive. So, um, there's a lot of things to, uh, play and, you know, some people have to, you know, question if, you know, they're in it just for the money or if they're actually in it to truly provide value for the series and actually, you know, compete and provide value for their teams. Sure. Yeah. It's something that we're going to have to see. I mean, Ganassi has come out in favor of it because Justin Marks gave him a deal he couldn't refuse. But I think, Joe, in regards to these charters, they've been controversial from the start. I think I honestly would love to dig into the books of of not only Spire Motorsports and what they're doing, but I, I would like to venture into what, you know, a couple of these, you know, the people are going to go and, make a deal with that or they're going to save it's i get that back in the day you're going to only get pennies on the dollar for your stuff but um you have to go and think about the short term and the long term now i guess in regards to your ability uh to go make things happen and the charter may be a good thing may not be a good thing it gives more equity i guess relative to what they had at that point but in turn what is it worth in the grand scheme of our of this sport and maybe for other series within the area of cup yeah so i think definitely the biggest beneficiaries of the charter system uh, just in general are the bigger teams with more business backing and more money um for them probably relatively easier to get a charter uh but i think what made this whole uh charter again you already said was already controversial but what I think really even made it more controversial uh, was when they announced the next gen car, because one of the big selling points about the car was that it was going to be cheaper. Now, of course, your uh, investment, uh, your initial investment in the coming years and what's already been invested in 2021 for some teams uh, and what will come in 2022 and 23, uh, those years are going to be expensive the first few years. I think Really, I think what I read uh, midsummer, I think it was a piece that either uh, Jordan Bianchi or Jeff Gluck put together, was they're probably not going to start to actually see savings until the third or the fourth year of running this car. And that's a while's out, right? That's three or four years that you as a business owner can tank, right? That has you have to be really calculated with that risk. And that was something that Dale Jr. had mentioned on one of the downloads that he does uh, was that, you know, the money, the price you're getting the charter at has to be right because the initial investment is going to be severely high. Uh, you know, it's great that in the long run, they're going to save money. And hopefully that that is something that uh, that does indeed happen. Now, uh, as far as the competition aspect of the charters goes, there needs to be a modification. There really does. Um, I don't care if it's they keep the charters and they bring them, they bump them down maybe to 25. And the way that you get them is not through business, is through your performance, right? Where maybe uh, in 2021, the top 25 teams in points get charters and a guaranteed spot in all races in 2022. I don't know if that's something that they move forward. Um, I really wouldn't even mind if they just got rid of them altogether. Um, you know, with, with the next gen car, we've already seen how many teams are invested that aren't currently in the cup series. Uh, you have a racer from Europe who's going to come over and he's going to do uh, some part-time next year with the goal of doing full-time in the future. 
Uh, GMS making that's a big leap for GMS, you know, not even going to do Xfinity. They're jumping right to cup um, from the trucks and then college racing, getting in on it full time with uh, with two charters. Uh, I don't, I'm not exactly clear if they intend on running that charter, uh, the full season, the second one that Justin Haley won't have, or if that one will be a a lease for some races that Almondinger doesn't drive. But, um, I, I really think it's, it's detrimental because once you get past those 25 cars that are from the, the big teams, right? You have the Hendrick cars, the Stewart cars, the, uh, the Gibbs cars, the Penske cars, you know, that, that the bigger half of the field, once you get past those cars to some of the other cars that own charters, the double zero, uh, Quinn Half. Now I know they've already announced that Starcom is going to, uh, expire at the end of the year. And then, uh, and Rick Ware racing is probably at the forefront of all of this, right? You have those guys who are on the track who are just wrecking. And it seems like that's what they're doing every single week is just wreck every single week. And I think in some cases it's like, eh, okay, whatever. But the thing that really bothers me about them being on track and them wrecking is the fact that it's dangerous to the drivers who are running at the front and lapping them. Uh, you know, it, it's just, to me, I don't feel like as a fan, the product has benefited from the charters. I feel like the product has gotten worse. And I understand you also have to satisfy the business aspect. Uh, but hopefully we're going to get to the point in a few years where uh, NASCAR's word holds true that the next gen car does actually uh, decrease the overall cost in investment um, where we can get rid of these charters because the the, uh, the the investment for a business to come in to start another team is low enough to where you don't have to entice them to buy a charter to run all the races. You know, um, it, it, it's very interesting because I do think you could end up hurting some of the bigger businesses like a Hendrick, like a, like a Joe Gibbs, a Penske, where, you know, th- they're, they're making money on their investment. But I'm also afraid that if you were to keep these charters in for too long, um, it, you're going to see so much inflation. I mean, I, I was reading, and again, I think this was a piece by Gluck or uh, Bianchi where uh, in 2020 or maybe the 2019 to 20 off season, these, these charters were going for 6 million. And now you're talking 10, 12 million for a charter. I mean, that is a ton of money. And more than likely in a single season, you are not profiting from that investment. It's going to take two years or three years before you start to see a turnover of profit from your investment on a charter. Unless you have a guy like Kyle Larson, who, you know, he's won nine races, then it's a different story. But not every team is going to win nine races. It's impossible. So um, definitely interesting. And I think it's maybe not something we're going to get an answer to next year, even the year after that. I do think we are going to have to see what happens with the next gen car over the long term uh, to understand where the charters are headed. Yeah, it's it's something I mean, I get there. Rick Ware uh, this year made a concerted effort to run well in IndyCar and it's helped out uh, Roman Grosjean in his move from Europe and Formula One to IndyCar to now being in a top flight ride. Uh, they've made the connection with Stuart Haas the same way as Ryan Sieg's group. I feel like they're just basically, you know, absorbed the 98 and they're going to run to 39 and 98 or 38, 98, whatever. Um, it's the same way as, you know, yeah, Starcom going away, they didn't have enough points. They were going to lose it anyway, um, but then they didn't have money and, you know, Quinoff is not good. Uh, you you have the Rick Ware cars, and and my thing is like yeah the you have that and you have the Spire 
how they're able to acquire all of these charters because they're a marketing firm first before an actual racing team. But in turn, you're changing the value of the whatever each one that you have based on whatever transaction you did the last time. And you're leaving out the likes of Dale Jr. You're leaving out the likes of some of these other big, big dogs that are and, and great people that aren't able to buy in to what's going on. And I guess for better or worse, it was the same thing as the top 35 rule, the provisionals before the top 35 rule. It's the good and bad. You're going to have the value based on getting that charter, but what are you going to do with that charter? And are you going to be able to see a return on that investment? It's, it's If you're Chip Ganassi and you've invested 20-something years in the sport, that's why the punishments aren't a punishment for him because he's looking at the bottom line. And of course, Justin Marks is also looking at the bottom line. They leased Aspire one, and now they have two full ones. They're going to run Justin Haley all year, and then they'll figure out what they do with Sengar. But I don't know. I think it's because Rob, it's not just because Rob Kaufman made him and he's going to profit hand over fist when he's already a multi millionaire, but it's, it's something where you have. You have certain teams that have too many of them that are able to access them because these smaller teams basically dissolve. And then when it when you have to actually compete, most of them aren't able to. And I think that's embarrassing, especially when you consider how long the season is and how good a lot of these other teams are. And you can't do that, then you're not here to go and compete. It's more like you're just making up the numbers. And I don't think that that's acceptable um, under any circumstances. Um, with that, I think um, if you're available next week, Joe, we'll have you back on uh, to kind of recap everything that took place this week, this coming weekend in regards to NASCAR and maybe any other takes uh, you have. But before you go, because I don't want to keep you too long. I also know Josh um, has to work. I know I have off, and considering how rough my week has been, I could probably go for another hour or two, but I don't want to hold you guys up. Um, where can we find you on the socials, Joe? Where can we find uh, your work, um, written work, and anything else that you would like to plug? Thank you. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Passero Jr. That is P-A-S-S-E-R-O-J-R. Uh, and rather than Last Out Media now, you can find me over on uh, beyondtheflag.com. Uh, it's one of the fan side. It's many, many uh, sites that they run. Uh, it's dedicated just to motorsports. There's a lot of F1 content, a lot of NASCAR content. Of course, my primary uh, area of expertise. Um, they, you know, and, and that's all not just cup, you have Xfinity and truck pieces there as well. Um, I've had a lot of fun writing for them, actually. I uh, just had an article published about what I believe is probably uh, the most important or most influential, rather, uh, track uh, in the 21st century. So uh, head over to beyondtheflag.com if you want to uh, check that out and read that and see what my thoughts are. Um, love hearing from people on uh, Twitter. I've actually, my Twitter growth uh, since the last show, which I know was uh, it started at the beginning of the year, uh, is really grown. Um, I love coming on. I love doing these podcasts and, uh, writing is a ton of fun for me, especially when I get to do it in something that I really enjoy like racing. So, uh, again, Sarah Jr. on Twitter, beyondtheflag.com, one of fan-sided, uh, networks. And, uh, that's where you find me. And yeah, so I'll have to look at my schedule, uh, for next week, because by this time next week, I will be, uh, not 
in the current state that I am, I'll be on vacation. But uh, if I can find the time, you bet I'm going to be on here. I love coming out. Uh, I've been waiting since the Daytona road course. I've just had so many things going on uh, where I haven't been able to get back on. But uh, if we can't make next week work, please, please, please Daytona next year. No, we'll, we have time. We have the off season prior to the, uh, it will have, I mean, Thanksgiving, we still have formula one going on, but prior to the Christmas and new year break that we take, uh, probably do a little NASCAR recap for sure. Um, anything else in regards to your sports fandom, probably can bring it up by that point, uh, depending on football, uh, Hopefully our teams are still in it. I mean, I'm not so sure about Josh's team. Uh, the Niners are barely in it. Um, my fantasy team is barely in it right now, and I'm about to go and uh, take a dump against my best friend's team, who you know has everybody. And um, and my quarterback faked getting a vaccine, and my number one running back got hurt for the year, and um, I've got the most points for and I have the most points against. Um, sorry, I'm making this about me here, but it is my show. Um, but thank you so much, Joe. Uh, great, great job as always. I mean, you have great uh, uh, passion and you have great information. It's something that's lacking amongst those hard card people. Um, the passion and the fandom and the, the respect for what this is about versus what it has become and credit to you. And I hope in whatever, not just what you do to make money, but this passion can ride out to me. I, I got into it too late. I have this and it does the job for me and I'm hoping it'll take off in its own way. But I also know that I want to support guys like you that actually are able to do this and hopefully um rise up rise up you know the same way as like joey barnes who did such a great job with us um earlier in the year um and has become a big big dog at racer magazine and uh, elsewhere hopefully that's where you go you know kelly crandall is there and she's a great writer um but i know they wouldn't be bad off to have somebody like you out there too to go and support that coverage and promote things. Um, and hopefully we're able to help you on that. And we're all open door at, whenever you're available, um, have you on for that content. Cause to be fair, um, somebody has to pick up the slack cause Josh watches. I don't as much anymore, uh, but it's a racing podcast. So we have to cover NASCAR. Um, it's going against my religion at this point to go and talk about it. But you know, there are certain people that listen because of that. And I have old friends that listen because of that. So I still stick it through. I mean, maybe if Chase Briscoe actually turns around next year in his second year and actually runs well, I might care more, but you know, rookie blues, but thanks again, Joe, for your time. I appreciate you. And, um, We'll definitely have you on whenever you're available. You let us know when you're free and we'll bring you back on again for another guest spot here on the GSP. Thank you so much. Uh, honestly, hearing all that, it, it, it means the world to me. It's, um, you know, I, I graduated college in May. I've been left and right uh, trying to, to break my foot into the door of racing. I was very fortunate with last out and uh, very fortunate with fan sided and, uh, 
you know, wherever I end up, I do hope that I'm able to continue to grow, not just as a, a fan and a journalist, but also as a person. So, um, and thank you guys for the opportunity. This is, uh, this is a lot of fun. I used to have my own podcast when I was in college. Uh, didn't do so well, didn't do too hot. So um, I stuck more towards uh, the writing, but uh, this is a lot of fun for me to, to come out and to talk with you guys. So thank you. I appreciate it. And I'll, uh, I'll definitely let you know when I'm available next. Yep, that's I went the other way. I, I realized I'd like to just go and yell in my own um, <laughs> echo chamber. And um, I really and it is what it is in that sense. But I know the writing. I have it in me, too. But I know I can show up once a week and do this for sure. I the the motivation and the the effort that it takes, especially the way things have become now. Um, it's much harder on my, in my mind and my end through my life and my age and everything to do the writing, but I can get up for this in your case, youth and the hunger and all that you're the future, bro. And I'll, we'll support you here on this show and whatever other shores you go on, um, follow Joe because we're going to, we're going to see you. Um, you're going to be you're going to probably get a hard card and we're probably not going to be able to have you on because we we're off color here on the GSP. But, um, you know, if you want to go off the grid, you know, you want to go under an assumed name, we don't post on YouTube, so you could go under an assumed name. Yeah, we should. Um, but, yeah. Um, I mean, we, I mean, we'll see. That's 2022. We'll get their executive producers working on stuff. Um, but, uh, the actual audio goes out on YouTube on most of these episodes recently. So um, if we do go out on video, then you just have to wear a Lucha mask. Um, I'll wear my mullet hat and then um, we'll all be fine. And so um, thanks again, brother. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if your predictions, Josh didn't bring out the algorithm, um, which almost broke the internet when he picked Tate Fogelman to win and it happened. Um, if, if what's his name, if Caesar Baccarella had won the Xfinity race at Talladega, I don't think the show would exist anymore. Cause I think I might've <laughs> jumped off a bridge, uh, because that would have been the end of days, uh, yeah. for me as, as a motorsports fan, it's like Milka Duno winning an IRL race. Uh, it would have been that bad, but Hey, yeah, you know, we, the we algorithm, for this. <laughs> yeah, got to ring it out. We might as well. On, uh, on the show as we get out for this episode we'll definitely bring the algorithm out um because you have one in four shot but thanks joe you have yeah, a good evening sure. and um we'll um see you around here probably during december to kind of close out this nascar season a lot has gone on here and um <laughs> a lot more to discuss really we didn't even i don't even think we scratched the surface with all the stuff we really could have discussed yeah, thank you again, guys. You guys have a great night. Uh, to everybody listening to the show, have a great night. Uh, enjoy the, I was going to say the rest of the season. As far as NASCAR goes, we only have one race left. But uh, for all you Formula One fans, you still have some season left. Enjoy your season as well. And uh, that's all I got for tonight. Have a good one. All right. Thank you, brother. Um, and uh, we will uh, kind of move forward. Got some, got to kind of rush through everything here now um i basically basically hit everything we wanted to hit there on that uh yeah. the roundup i'm gonna go and rush through the roundup here 
Uh, they were at Sydney last week for the Supercars. Uh, last uh, week and yeah, da- what is it? Um, David Reynolds. While I'm trying to go and recover a page, uh, wins real. Oh, look at that. Um, okay, well, at least we're not going to have the end of days in this state. Um, yeah, Reynolds benched for uh, Supercar Sydney Swing because he's just like Will Power and Chad Reed about vaccinations and other things, and because he's an idiot stick. Whatever, that's his choice. Um, it's part of the reason why he's never won. He's won the Bathurst 1000, which is good for him and his career. That's why he has Penrite as a sponsor. Uh, but he can't make up for the fact you're being ignorance is bliss, but it isn't going to make up for the fact that you're going to end up getting sick um, because you're a jackass. Um, credit to David Reynolds for that. Um, he wants to make his kids and his family sick. Good for him. Uh, race one at Sydney, Anton D. Pasquale won over Shane Van Gisberg and Brody Kostecki. Uh, Nick Perkett, Will Brown was your top five. Race two, uh, Shane Van Gisberg and Will Davison, who had a chance, uh, had some bad luck. Uh, Nick Perkett, Brody Kostecki, Tim Slade, your top five. And then in race three, Anton D. Pasquale gets a double, uh, two out of three. Will Brown, Jamie Winchcup, Shane Van Gisbert, and Will Davison. So the Dick Johnson cars had a good weekend, but of course the Triple Eight cars had a good weekend as well. They've dominated this season. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen is well out in front in this uh, championship. He's got nearly 400, or he's got over a 330-point lead there. You know, eight was it three, three, eight, and then three, three, eight. Yeah, so it's like he's got near a 340 point lead on Jamie Winch Cup in his last year as a driver. He'll be the um, team principal uh, starting next year of what has been Triple Eight racing. Uh, Will Davison is in third in points. He has a battle with Chaz Moster. He's only 33 points ahead. Cam Waters is fifth. Um, so that battles at 30 and 35. So 65 points. Cam Waters uh, out of third. So that is a battle that we're going to see run out till the end of the year. Anton Di Pasquale with this great weekend. Uh, got up to six per cat seventh frosty in eighth will brown ninth and brody kostecki after a great weekend uh, is now in 10th the uh, race the other uh, race that took place was the wec uh, bahrain uh, six hour and then the importance of title bid dwfea for lmd8 blah 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 you have the results of the six hour at bahrain uh saw the combination of mike conway kamui kobayashi and jose maria lopez beat their teammates boemi nakajima and hartley by 51 seconds and uh the alpine Hypercar of Nicolas Lapierre and Negrau and Max Matthew Vaxvier finished on the podium, but a lap behind. 
they um so those are the three that were able to finish the or the three that actually ran because everybody else was lmp2s or the gt and pro whatever wow kush miney uh, another brown guy uh uh, so that's Arjun's brother, I assume. Um, finding out brown guys are racing sports cars too. They um, and then they're going to be running their finale this coming weekend. Uh, Mike Conway is uh, retiring from the uh, WEC. Kamuya Kobayashi has, um, or Kazuki Nakajima uh, has uh, announced that he's going to step back. Um, with the, from racing, the racing with Toyota and yeah. And then Davidson, Davidson, who's, who works for Sky F1. So I assume Sky F1 is going to utilize him more, uh, during the year, or he might do some touring cars or something. Um, oh, he said retire from racing. Oh yeah. So he's going to do more TV, I guess. Um, so we'll see what happens with that, with Toyota, and their battle, inter-team battle, for the WEC Championship here in 2021. Uh, we'll go to MotoGP. Moto2 will be at Al... And Moto2 will be at the Algarve uh, this coming weekend. Uh, Mark Marquez had a training accident. He won't be racing. Still progressing very slow. Uh, so the VR46 uh, team, the team that... Uh, Valentino Rossi at the Ducati program that he will be the team principal of. Still don't have championship. Not in Moto E would have been short sighted. Analysis. Split with long time. Patron Associate Team Jazz. Mutual agreement. Teams are getting. RMF Racing. And Justin Rizali. And Team Aerobic. Interesting. And the Binder would come again the team alongside Factory Adventures. Divisioso Binder, younger brother Brad getting a 2021 spec bike. Um, okay. Uh, going into the points this weekend, uh, Quattararo, of course, is the MotoGP world champion, so he's going to be running out the rest of the season, kind of a the last three rounds of the championship will kind of be a, a coronation of sorts for him. Uh, Peko Bagnaya, Joanne Mir have stuff to race for. Uh, Johan Zarco, Jack Miller, Mark Marquez, of course, is going to miss the race, so it's, he's going to lose ground. Uh, Brad Binder has a chance to pass him. Mark Marquez, you know, that's only, what is it? 16 points between 4th and 7th. You know, Joanne Mir is kind of his own zone. He's 27 points beyond Peko Bagnaya, uh, who is in 2nd in Moto2. The Americans, I'll just focus on that. Remy Gardner has got an 18-point lead on Raul Fernandez. Uh, Joe Roberts is 13th. He is you know, 26 points out of the top 10 as of now. And then Cameron Bobier is 16th in points, uh, 20 points out of 13th, which is Joe Roberts. The um, Mexican Grand Prix will be the next piece that we will discuss. Uh, Josh, I figure we 
keep it simple here. Um, who do you look at to have the advantage? Is it gonna be Red Bull or Mercedes? And if so, you know, is that deviate in regards to your it does that make any change in regards to your pick or is it gonna be Max? Is it gonna be Lewis? Or maybe is it gonna be one of their teammates? Can Sergio Perez go out there and actually steal the home victory and be like the Rodriguez brothers and win on that circuit? Uh, in this spot, which would help them in the constructors championship for sure. Um, and steal points away from Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. I mean, it's interesting with the way that this battle's uh, going to come down here at Mexico. You have Lewis Hamilton won 2016 and 2019 uh, at this track. Max Verstappen won 2017, 2018. So both these guys have won here before they uh, have had history at this track. Uh, I think at this point in the season, though, this uh, this racetrack um, probably fits Red Bull more than uh, Mercedes. But, of course, we won't really truly know that until uh, they start uh, first practice and, um, you know, have the, the qualifying and all that stuff. Uh, so I probably lean towards uh, Max Verstappen uh, in this race uh, to, you know, extend his championship lead over uh, Lewis Hamilton. Of course, Lewis, he, this is a must win scenario for him uh, in order to uh, keep uh, a foot in this championship battle. Uh, if, if he doesn't uh, win he's going to, get further behind and not come out with the, the title. And if, you know, if he does win, it extends his chance to be able to at least catch uh, Lewis Hamilton here in uh, this championship battle. I think uh, for, you know, for Red Bull, uh, I think they're going to give both their drivers, especially uh, Sergio Perez. Uh, I think they're going to give him a good, good shot at winning or well, not winning, but certainly a good car wanting to uh, impress the, the hometown fans uh, for, uh, Red Bull and for, um, you know, for Mexico. So I think, uh, Sergio Perez, I, I mean, wouldn't be shocked if he wins, but I definitely do expect him to at, at the very least, uh, compete for a podium, uh, on, on Sunday, it's going to be an interesting race, uh, especially, uh, for some of the midfield as well. Uh, what's, uh, McLaren going to do, uh, this week, how are they going to fare up against, uh, uh, Ferrari and are they going to be able to, uh, beat Ferrari on pace this weekend and, and, um, be able to, um, in a head to head matchup, I guess, essentially is what it's going to come down to, uh, relative to the field. Are they going to be able to beat out Ferrari, uh, during the race? Um, I think, you know, for other drivers, I mean, Valtteri Bottas, also Mercedes, uh, expect him to compete for a podium, but ultimately I think, uh, he gets bested by Sergio Perez and his other teammate, uh, Lewis Hamilton. So, it's uh, going to be interesting there. Um, I think uh, other other things to look at here. I mean, you have the uh, some of the other midfield like Alpine. Uh, they've uh, haven't had a good last good couple of races. They, they had both DNFs at USGP. Do they kind of get back under the footing and maybe um, have a better finish and finish in top ten? But I think you know overall focus is going to be on uh, the two top teams, uh, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, Red Bull versus Mercedes. Again, I think the track favors probably Red Bull within Mercedes, but then I think you also have to look at some of the midfield stuff too with um, uh, with Ferrari versus uh, McLaren there. Yeah, I think the battle for third and constructors is a set. I mean, it, it's all about, you know, Lewis and Max. Can Lewis, um, you know, they've had their engine changes. You have Max, he's done engine uh, changes. Will the, you know, the being with the the um, altitude 
with Mexico City has been an issue before, especially with the turbo engines over the time. Will that suit Honda versus Mercedes or vice versa? Will the, I mean, I think there's out there, it's out there on motorsport.com that, and, or elsewhere that Valtteri Bottas said that that's, you know, their engines are perfect for where they're at right now to go and run out this next week or two running there and at, at Brazil uh, with the conditions they're going to be dealing with. Uh, will that be the case? I mean, as you said, Lewis needs to win. Um, it's it's now a case where Max can kind of, he's not a conservative driver by any stretch, but he can be conservative. Um, the fact it also there's also the fact that Sergio Perez is much better than Valtteri Botas at this moment. He's at home. He has a motivation. He's never truly had a chance to win this race until now. Um, so, I mean, is Max are they going to pull tactics to if it if they're both running one too? to steal the win from Sergio Perez. Um, it would be akin to what Ferrari used to do with Schumacher and Rubens Barrichello if that happens. I doubt it. I think Max, as of now, I mean, I'm going against my fandom, but, you know, Max Verstappen has been the better driver, and I think he wins. Um, I, I'll say that I, I pick Sergio to win the pole. It's going to be a Red Bull sweep of the front row, but in the end, Max gets the win uh, on Sunday and Lewis is within reason, but finishes second and loses more ground in the world championship. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's something that we have to look at. And I mean, when it comes to Ferrari and McLaren, it's a race by race basis. Who's going to be up there? Who has the car for a certain track? There are certain tracks that McLaren's good at, certain tracks Ferrari. I think this is more of a, uh, I think this is more of a Ferrari track, but then last race was more of a Ferrari track. So I think those two, so then Brazil would be more of a, a McLaren track. And then with Qatar, kind of um, a, a, a toss-up. The Saudi Arabian Grand Prix is a street course. Seems like a toss along with Abu Dhabi. So every point counts in regards to them. The little points for Aston Martin and uh, the Alpine teams to try and compete and get more of that prize money as we go through into the 2022 Formula One season. Um, let's see here. Just give me a moment. Mexican Grand Prix. Uh, we did all that. I mean, there is some news in regards to some of the drivers that are going to be going in a Formula Two, um, Formula Three, etc., etc. No, Luke Yulden will be in the twenty-six car for David Reynolds. F one K. Alex Brundle, Saucy, whoever Saucy is. Clement Novalak will drive uh, F2 for um, Jedi team or at Jedi for MP Motorsports before um, taking on a full season in 2022. Uh, let's uh, go with you, Josh, in regards to the Jags and what things are looking like for you on that side versus uh, fantasy. I do have the list here. You ended up 
getting a you lost overall or you lost in your matchup but you're in the top five this week so in the end you were able to uh, sneak a point in regards to double record but unfortunate tough loss this week in fantasy for you yeah it was a tough weekend overall in sports uh for me i mean you know outside of racing that's you know mostly for fun and entertainment now and being able to watch good racing but in you know the sports side of things with football college football it was a bad weekend the jags took a step back against uh seattle seahawks they seattle seahawks aren't really that great this year they've got bad cornerbacks uh they've got bad you know Geno Smith isn't really that great of a quarterback, but they made him look like one. Uh, they, you know, looked like the Jags from the first game of the year for the most part. Trevor Lawrence uh, threw a lot of short stuff this or this past week. Um, one deep pass that got intercepted basically and um, didn't have anything to show for it. Uh, James Robinson got hurt. And I think that changed the trajectory of the offense of uh, the, their game plan that they wanted to to, to have, um, and a lot of, a lot of penalties, uh, that they had, uh, a lot of, uh, procedural stuff that, uh, shouldn't really be a factor now. Uh, now a lot of people, again, are questioning urban Meyer and his ability to coach an NFL team. And it's not looking good again. He's not doing what he's, uh, you know, what we thought he'd be doing and, uh, really wonder how long he's going to be the coach. If he's, um, it's going to be a one and done thing and they uh, fire everybody, which is you know going to be really bad because came in with all this hype and everything. And they, I know that they paid him a lot of money uh, to, to be the coach, probably one of the, I mean, salary wise, top five in the league, probably in, in money. Uh, and then of course, uh, part of it was to be able to coach Trevor, to be able to have a facility uh, that they're going to be building in Jacksonville. So uh, that's all part of it, but um, we'll see what happens. They play Buffalo Bills this week, uh, so it's going to be a tough matchup. But you know, of course, could be an upset uh, matchup or one of those trap games where they take Buffalo to the brink and ultimately lose, or they somehow manage uh, pull out a win. So we'll see. And then college, uh, Florida lost to Georgia. They got um, beat pretty handily. Uh, it was a really bad game overall. I mean. Initially, it was 0-0, then 3-0 Georgia, and then last, like, two minutes of the second half, Georgia scored 21 points, uh, two of them coming off interceptions, uh, so that that was not good, and then game got away from UF uh, at that point, Uh, and, you know, for me as a former uh, Gator alumni and uh, as a you know Gator fan, I mean, I feel like the the Florida Georgia game is the game that uh, decides the season o- overall for Florida. If they go on to the SEC championship game to go on uh, face Alabama and you know actually compete in the college football playoff or get a really good bowl game uh, matchup, uh, they have to be able to win that game. And Dan Mullen uh, has not been able to recruit well during his time in Florida. I mean, they've had a lot of exciting plays and stuff like that, but just haven't had the same type of talent that they need to be able to compete against Georgia to be able to compete against Alabama. So um, I feel like there's going to be uh, talk now of him getting fired. And I have a feeling it might happen uh, during the off season. Uh, they'll probably figure out something and buy out his contract and let him go. So uh, we'll see what happens down in uh, the swamp for uh, for that. But then, of course, fantasy lost to Vic. Uh, and then my other league, I lost to my brother. So that was not good either. Um, and, you know, just didn't have uh, the matchups I needed overall. But, you know, I, I 
have to question Vic here because he made two trades over the weekend and he traded quarterbacks, traded multiple uh, wide receivers, running backs. I mean, I almost want to accuse him of collusion uh, in everything. They, with whoever he traded as, I, I don't know. I didn't like that. He made multiple trades over the weekend and then managed to still beat me and all that. Like, I was like, how, how do you do that? How do you trade one quarterback and then not even use him and then trade him again? I um, mean, and I don't know, that didn't sit well with me for some reason. Well, the fact is you can put in your complaint with me and then we'll put it uh, to a chat. And the fact is I could also have Vic come on next week as part of the show. I could arrange that and you could actually have the debate live on air. Um, that would actually be pretty cool. Um, that's a good idea. I'm going to write that. Down. Just um, give me a moment here while um, I collect my thoughts as the 49ers. So uh, Vic for week of 11-10 GSP to debate Josh, you know, good old ESTMZN faux sports style. You know, we'll do like Skip Bayless and uh, Stephen A, um, and I'll just get out of the way. Um, we can do that in my end. I mean, I wasn't feeling great about a lot of things last few days for multiple reasons. Uh, bowling wise was good uh, on Tuesday night. We took a sweep of the number one team in the league. I bowled 187 average on my end. Uh, my teammates came through. So we all kind of carried through. It was tight. Every game was the first two games were tight. Third game, we kind of got ahead of them. So we'll take that. We're going to move up in that. Uh, Niners won. Jimmy Garoppolo learned how to run. Uh, I think, honestly, I've been saying to anybody and everybody, they might as well paint uh, uh, Levi Stadium like Soldier Field because when he plays at Soldier Field because it's home, he turns into a different guy. He looks like an elite quarterback um, because he's not an elite quarterback. And now Trey Lance is healthy and all of a sudden he's showing up. Uh, you fucking bitch. You could have done that against the Indianapolis Colts and they'd have the wild cards, last wild card spot. Um, but instead you got beat by Sam Darnold. I don't get it. Um, Brandon Ayuk finally made it onto a football field and all of a sudden you have spacing. You can actually pass the ball because you have two targets they actually have to defend. And that's before you get GK back, which you're going to get him back here in this next week or two. Uh, I mean, there's the, the reality is this weekend's uh, game is Arizona. Uh, Kyler Murray's hurt, but he's probably going to play. The following week's a Monday night football game against the LA Rams. So I think this season for the Niners is going to be determined here in this next two weeks to be fair. You, you've already given up so much ground to these two teams anyway. If you can sp at least split, if you can get the Arizona win, you make it interesting against the Rams. You know, right now they're 0-2 in division, so they need to win one of these games to keep it reasonable. Probably win both. If they win both, then it flips the script uh, for their season and hopefully uh, puts them in a position to get that uh, last a wild card spot um, in regards to yeah, the Bills. Of course, they're playing Jacksonville. Josh Allen trying to get that, um, trying to get that uh, elusive Super Bowl for the Buffalo uh, faithful or, or whatever the the 
Buffalo fans or the Niners or the faithful. Um, I know it's like we're going into that during the uh, Mondays because one of the people with there is a uh, San Francisco 49ers fan. Yeah, Colorado and the Knicks are doing bad. What a shocker. Um, but yeah, when you're talking about where was it for football, fantasy football, to bring up my teams here. Uh, just a second. Fantasy football, fantasy home. Uh, last week I got destroyed by Luke, a fellow 49er fan who's basically been leaking oil all year, but decided to come good against me. Um, you know, this week I have to play w- Wilson, who's the number one team in the league. He's 8 0. Uh, Josh gets Manny, who's not even looking at his team, it seems like. Uh, Joe will get Professor J. Luke will go and get Nikki, uh, right now giving up uh, pins. Uh, CM, yeah. The Vic will play uh, Demi there in regards to this week. And when it comes to over recovery point, one, two, three, four, f- four, and then. Five for Josh, and then what is it? I was sixth or seventh actually, because oh man, yeah. So it was a brutal week in fantasy. Got destroyed by a team that's not good, and and that's that is what it is on the one league. In the other league, uh, I yeah. In this league, it's a little bit more consistent shot. And so we'll see what happens that I was able to uh, take a W by a pretty wide margin. So we'll take that. We're in third uh, in that fantasy league in regards to the sleeper league, which I know about sleeper because I'm falling asleep right now. Um, I'm going to bring that up. (laughs) Trying to go and find... The sleeper app. Trying to, there you go. Uh, right now, we're going into whatever this is, week nine. Jeez. Mm, I uh, just lost a track of that right there. I'm trying to go and bring up my other team uh, here. We're called Concussion, concussion Protocol in this uh, league. It's a 12 team uh, keeper. I need to I just need one more. Yeah, need ten or twelve. Just drinking. Not people out there play, but I'm cool with it. Yeah, blah 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 blah. We're currently in a uh, we we had a rough start to the league, and then we've kind of moved forward. Uh, right now, right now we are ninth out of twelve. Uh, given up what amounts to I think the most points. In the league uh, so far, or we're close. We're only seven points behind, uh, but we're back in it. We were out of it, but we're now back in it. We're in regards to the top three. It's only one game or one point. There's two points otherwise to third. So we're still in it. Still have a chance. Hopefully, it all comes off uh, for us. Uh, the what is it? Uh, Josh, let us know where. What, what you're doing on the sim side of things and where we uh, can go and find you in general 
in regards to socials. Yeah, I mean, this week iRacing uh, did Martinsville, just like in real life NASCAR racing in Martinsville, decided to do the uh, sim side on Martinsville this week. And it was interesting. I've never raced at Martinsville before, but have experience on it from NRO3, from all that stuff. And uh, it's good good stuff there. Um, racing short tracks is normally what I don't do because a lot of the contact, it um, – you get a lot of the license penalties or whatever. Uh, if you, you know, get an incident or incident points and all that stuff, and that affects your license and I racing. So I try to stay away from it, but you know, and, uh, Martinsville is like one of my favorite tracks. So it's good, uh, you know, being able to do heavy braking in the corners and then, um, have that arc your entry into the middle of the corner and then have that strong get off, off a turn, you know, turn two and turn four, uh, in there. So that was good. Did a little bit of Miata racing as well. Uh, the Mazda Miata at, um, I think at Olton park, I think, uh, in Australia. So that was a good, uh, run there. Always a fun race, uh, to run, uh, with the Miata fun, fun car, uh, to drive around. Um, so that was pretty much all I did in sim racing, uh, this week. Um, but of course you can follow the sim racing channel and all the other gaming stuff, uh, Twitch TV slash your sailor too. That's where that'll be. And then, you know, um, I mean, go ahead and lead into the, uh, uh, Twitter stuff as well. I mean, as always, you know, follow Twitter at, uh, JP Huffine. We'll you know, share the show and all that stuff. And, you know, talk about the races this weekend. We'll talk about football, all that stuff. Uh, so it should be interesting with all the matchups, all the discussions, you know, of course, uh, you know, again, birthday tomorrow. So should be good. Gonna, you know, have, have good work of course, but you know, afterwards, uh, probably try to do something fun and all that stuff. So, uh, definitely look forward to tomorrow and everything like that. So, um, be able to do all that stuff. Yep, absolutely. Happy birthday again to you, brother. Um, thank you thank for you. everything you do for not only me, for the show. Um, there's plenty of times where I've been out of it or I've had stuff going on, but you've been able to carry the load and bring the great information. Enjoy. Don't party too hard. It is a work day, uh, so you have to make it on Friday. I mean, you probably have better um, situation where you can probably call out, uh, but probably uh, take it easy. Um, unless you're going to become the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, then that's a whole other thing. Cause then you'd have to do a lot of crushing to try to get ready for the Buffalo bills, which is probably not the team you want to go and start your first one. We'll start again, but that's beside the point in regards to dang, things are falling off of my desk. Um, cat skid steer loader. Um, you can follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can follow the show at Grip Strip Pod. You can um, see the the show or in, in video or listen to it on philipgmatthew.com. And, um, yeah, we're going to go and talk about NASCAR, the triple header. We're going to talk about MotoGP and Moto2 at Algarve, uh, six hours uh or secure eight hour supercars last week and at sydney they'll be there this week so plenty of action to discuss plenty of action to see um and of course nascar will close i uh, want to thank joe passero again for coming on from fan sided to talk about nascar and hopefully we'll have him back here in the next few weeks uh but with that um i'm phil that's josh we thank you for listening to a grip trip podcast episode 85 of the show and uh look forward to having you listen more in the future take care god bless good night